This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week... It's the end of an era. Oh, lads. Like, yeah, it's book 94. And weirdly, book 95 isn't actually <laughs> the next one to the series. Because if you were to just naively read book 95, you'd be completely lost, it seems like. You yeah, would. End, end of the, the circle covers. End of what passes for Sweet Valley normality. <laughs> <laughs> end of the one-offs. Because after this, it's like miniseries all mm. the way down. Yeah. Like there's, you know, the odd sort of super thriller, but we don't have the sort of one-off book with a random character. I mean, there'll be no more tennis girls. And for that, we can all be truly grateful. <laughs> but like, <laughs> there's no more like a book about data. You know, that, that era's, or Patty, or Dee Dee, like, that era has gone. Yeah, the secondary characters are back where they belong, under the boot <laughs> of the Wakefields. <laughs> <laughs> and all the werewolves, and the vampires, and the <laughs> the cheating, the new characters popping in. Um, yeah, this this is it. And she is, are we in love? And as usual, I guess that this is fishing. The answer is no. Fuck's sake. We usually love a bit of uh, punctuation in a title, but this one is not one yeah. of those. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, it's both. I'm just going to warn everybody now. So this book is both full of racism and is very boring. And yeah. I'm not joking when I say this is it is fine to skip this just come to the end of the episode and rewind but there's one specific incident of of a very nasty sort of racist abuse well actually there's two incidents of of racist uh, there's quite a few incidents of racist language yes but there's one where cheryl is the target the directly a target it's not just people talking about her and Mm. we will give it we'll we'll take notes of the time and we'll give you a heads up if you if anybody wants to to skip that scene and to be honest if you really aren't in the mood to discover quite how racist almost every single person in sweet valley is which is 
quite shocking. Mm. Yeah, like, it is. It is. I'll tell you, for a book to go out on for the classic series, it was like, oh. really, lads, really, this is this is what we're going with. Holy shit. Like, yeah. apart from the fact that it's a fucking dud, like, it is just super, everyone's so racist. It was just like, I don't, I don't know why this is happening. It's terrible. It's very unpleasant. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, we learned that the people of Sweet Valley, we knew they were re- easily shocked, mm. but now we know they are easily triggered into expressing their apparently already existing massive racism. Yeah, God. So, yeah, if you want to just give this one a miss, you can, you know, go to the end of the episode and scroll back to hear our our signing off <laughs> um, and 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 listener feedback and, and the usual uh, the usual stuff and the news about what book we'll be discussing next week because we've got a little bit of a surprise for you, listeners. So, uh, yeah, just. Just so you know, this, mm. if if this isn't something you're you're in the mood for uh, yeah. at the moment, do you think this would not would would just be a, a an even more grim listen than some of the other books dealing with serious subjects? Um, feel free to skip. God knows you'll miss nothing in continuity because oh, I can't oh, remember poor old Cheryl's ever mentioned again. Fucking hell! Like yeah, very little of actual note really in terms of storyline and anything moving forward really happens in this. So like yeah, you really won't be missing anything. Well, um, we will get started with, for the last time, because after this, it won't be normal covered taglines and blurbs. Oh, it's going to be so weird. I'm scared. I don't know if I like this. (laughs) I wonder, do even the American editions of like the regular books, do they have, do they have cover taglines? Because definitely the, um, all the British ones didn't. You know, the mm. British ones of like the pop yeah. pop wars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to <laughs> I'd have to take out my headphones and go scrambling in the bookshelf <laughs> beside me to find it. Oh, right. <laughs> but yeah, this this may really be the last time we get started with taglines and blurbs. Yeah, the usual format. We'll just be out the window. We wouldn't want to do oh. it ourselves. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we'll be off the whales in every single sense. So. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll just get very drunk. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, well, that's something we should do for a special. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for our next book. That could be kind of hilarious. That actually might be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about this off air, but yeah. <laughs> I will leave you in suspense, <laughs> listeners. And we will finally start with taglines and blurbs. So the cover story, like, tagline is, is Stephen in love with the girl next door? And again, <laughs> the answer is no. Still no. <laughs> Can you give us the back cover line, please? Uh, I can. And it is simply love or friendship. friendship. Another, qu- another question friendship. mark. <laughs> like we're, they're really firing the question marks at us, but we're just getting increasingly annoyed with them, unfortunately. <laughs> well, won't be the only thing we get annoyed with t- tonight, <laughs> listeners, to tell you that mm. much. So here is the full blurb. Annie Whitman's new stepsister is finally having fun in Sweet Valley. Oh, God, the bar again set very low. Thanks to the friendship of her neighbour, Stephen Wakefield. Shouldn't be your neighbour, should be in college, but isn't for some reason. He's just here all the fucking time. All the time. Soon everyone, even Stephen's twin sisters, Jessica and Elizabeth, oh, they have to be mentioned at some stage of the blur, of course, assumes that Stephen and Cheryl must be a couple. After all, they're almost always together. Stephen and, uh, Cheryl and Stephen decide that perhaps they should give romance a try. But are they dating for the right reasons? Or are they only trying to prove something to the town? And 
to themselves. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> yes. Definitively, yes. This whole book is so stupid. <laughs> There's something, by the way, to this absolutely repulsive town, which is proving all our prejudice about it. Completely oh, right. God. Seriously, bring on the hellmouth. Bring on Margot. Just oh. let's get a murder in. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> fucking hell. Well, can you describe the cover? Our last ever circle cover? Our last ever one. And uh, fucking Stranger Danger. Who the fuck is this guy? He's <laughs> meant to be Stephen Wakefield. And it is very <laughs> extremely not. <laughs> who is he? Literally, who the fuck is this man? Um, yeah, I have no idea. This is like when they put Bruce Patman uh, on the cover of was it Troublemaker and it was like an entirely <laughs> different person oh. than the usual cover model. And we were just like, who the fuck is this person? Uh, so it's this again. But, uh, but yeah, now Stephen has been replaced <laughs> by yeah. somebody. It's like when they <laughs> replace an actor in a soap opera or something. And it's just like, Ooh. yeah. This character yeah. has always looked like this, and this is what they're trying to pull with Stephen Wakefield at the bitter end. <laughs> it's so. like new Pippa and home and away. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's very weird. Or when they replaced, I suppose at least when they replaced, uh, was it Greg in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? They made lots of jokes about it. So that was true. You know, that was yeah. something at least. But yeah, yeah but so they're just gaslighting us with this, this fake just, Stephen. This is just some random guy. I do not know this man. <laughs> like, who are you? Um... Well, allegedly it's Stephen Wakefield, but we huh. know better. Uh, he is looking to camera with his big goofy smile, which is so on Stephen Wakefield. Oh. Stephen Wakefield has Lego man hair and a scowl yeah. on his face. Those are his defining like a serial killer. characteristics. We know what Stephen Wakefield <laughs> looks like, and it is a cross Lego man. Um, <laughs> it so, is. So I don't know who this smiley fucker is, but uh, yeah, that's who it's meant to be. Uh, he is wearing a blue shirt. The collar is open. I don't care. I don't know who yeah. this person is. His hair he's... is tousled. It's the opposite of Lego it's... hair. <laughs> he's just in from hang gliding. That must be it. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> How could we forget? Maybe this Maybe this is what he looks like now after flying face first into a cliff after oh, hang gliding. I had a reconstructive go. surgery that we never heard about. Oh, my God. It is quite tousled. So, I mean, it's I mean, sort of windswept. Mm. So, Yes. <laughs> that would explain it all. It's the accident and uh, and the surgical aftermath. Yeah, there you go. It's the velocity of that hang gliding. <laughs> anyway, so he's with Cheryl, who at least is the same Cheryl as literally a book ago, because things are subject to change at any point, it seems like. Uh, that um, is a relief. So it is still the same Cheryl. She's still really cute. Uh, she's yeah. wearing lovely dangly earrings. I feel like she had dangly earrings in the last book as well. Um, mm. And like this really nice blue kind of ribbed jumper. It looks very cozy, very cute. Um, like she has her arms around Stephen. I do enjoy her jewellery, I must say, because she does have yes. these kind of gold earrings and also two kind of chunky gold rings with kind of stones in them. And they're quite nice rings, I must say. She is kind of a, a sort of a cool bohemian type. Yes. And, and she looks it on the cover, you know, because often they, they'll describe somebody <laughs> like that and then have them on the cover looking like a Florida retiree, which is the usual <laughs> style of a sweet belly teen when it comes to uh, to the visuals. But um, but no, she does. She looks cool, uh, you know. She looks young for a Sweet Valley cover True. again. Like this woman is 26, you know, this is not a yeah. 16-year-old. Um, <laughs> but she's but, not 40. She's not Like 40. any of the last one. A lot of you had strong feelings about that. <laughs> yes, indeed. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of it for the cover. I mean, you know, it's fine. It's kind of a shame that it's the last circle cover and it's... Uh. 
I was going to say it's a non-Wakefield cover, but you know what? It is a non-Wakefield cover because this is not Stephen Wakefield. I'm sorry. I'm putting my foot down. interloper. <laughs> Maybe Stephen has an evil double on the sim, like Margo. He's not doing very well at the double part. Oh, t- <laughs> <laughs> but he's taken his place as yeah. Margo longed to do. Oh my God. Sorry, spoiler alert, everybody. <laughs> well, um... Now you we will just have to imagine that Stephen looks like OG uh, Lego Man Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we uh, we start in a Sweet Valley parking lot where Stephen is giving Cheryl a driving lesson, and they joke about her being a typical impatient New Yorker, and she says she's now a typical laid back Californian, and then she wily acknowledges the um, we literally told she she sort of smiles to herself about this uh she really acknowledges the sort of general racism of her environs because she guesses that when people imagine typical california girls they picture the wakefield twins basically mm. and we get a, a description of their perfect size six figures and perfect suntans mm, yeah mm. also perfect is used like very quickly in succession there within the one sentence yes. which is not great <laughs> well we get a, a reminder of the unbearable whiteness of Sweet Valley mm. and um, Cheryl says when she arrived she had never seen so many good looking kids gathered in one place well, we'll, be, we'll be the judge of that <laughs> but uh, good looking white kids also told student body had turned out to be more diverse than it initially appeared really? Mm, no <laughs> no don't be retconning out here. Not in book 94. We have come too far for you to be retconning stuff in front of our eyes, Ghost Rider. Yes! <laughs> we have read them all. And we have the podcast we to prove it. been in the trenches. <laughs> for five years. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> oh God, it's true. Okay, we're pulling we're the plug. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> no, you never do that to you, listeners. Um, so we are told that Cheryl and Annie are getting on really well. Even though of course they're they're very they're still very different, but they've learned to communicate. We get a recap of the last book, and we're told, frankly, rather unpleasantly. Um, so this is an example of the ghostwriter being quite racist, uh, rather than just the people around uh, the characters. We're told that uh, Cheryl thinks she hadn't given Annie enough credit. Annie was able to look beyond the fact that Cheryl was black. Oh, look beyond it. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, Annie did uh, not deserve any credit in the last book. She handled everything extremely poorly. Like. But also, you use the phrase look beyond the yeah, fact as if that's like a fault it for yeah. Cheryl like Cheryl being black is like you know like the equivalent for An being obstacle. a serial killer or something yeah, yeah. like obstacle. Yeah. Um, we're told most of the kids at school were a lot less prejudiced than Cheryl had assumed she would be well hold that assumption for a while longer Cheryl because yeah. we, I mean, we'll all have a rude awakening here mm. so uh, yes apparently she's made real friends and it's made all the difference Um, so uh, they drive home and Cheryl's clearly drunk the Kool-Aid because she just thinks how uh how beautiful Sweet Valley is. <laughs> and, and then we cut to the casa where um, there's, there's, there's one of many tedious scenes where both twins are there with their boyfriends and they're all sort of flirty and bantery uh, with each other. And it's just sickening, quite frankly. <laughs> it is. But at the same time, I was like, you know what, Sam, get every minute of screen time that you can. Oh, oh. <laughs> 
Well, Jessica and Sam do go on a little riff about how they wish it was Friday every day. And, you know, Sam wishes a Friday mm. afternoon, at the, you know, just after school gets out, the whole weekend ahead of you. And frankly, that could be the case because time is, a flat, is you know, makes... Yeah. It's a random shape in Sweet Valley. We don't even know what's going on. You're pretty much just firing a dart at a calendar and wherever it lands, it's like, oh, this is where we are now in the school year. (laughs) Christmas, midterm. Well, actually, it's coming up to Christmas based on the next five books. So (laughs) Who even knows? And also only four months have passed since book one. So this oh, also... yeah. <laughs> and how long have Sam and Jessica been going out now? Oh, I... God. Well, uh, they flirt over the barbecue where uh, Liz is making what they call kebabs, which I guess are kebabs. Yeah, I guess. They're just, well, it's shrimp, of course, because these kids just love their seafood. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's it's a bunch of like vegetables and shrimp on a skewer, I suppose. It's just, it's just like skewers like that you'd be. Yeah barbecuing but yes, yes. Bobs. Hmm. so uh, Cheryl and Stephen arrive and uh, Cheryl claims unconvincingly that she doesn't miss the city and at first she didn't understand why Mona and Annie couldn't move to New York but uh, her dad was more flexible about relocating now people did point out to hmm. us I can't believe we didn't mention this because I was thinking when reading it that it's fucking insane that the professional <laughs> photographer leaves the uh, the media capital of America, where mm-hmm. all the fashion magazines are based, to move to Sweet Valley. The other side of the country. And like Mona being a model who obviously has to travel a good bit to New yeah. York, it's like none of that made any sense. In terms of relocation, they should have all been bailing off to New York. Like. Mm. Well, um, Cheryl tells the others that Mona and Walter have finally set the wedding date. It's going to be in three weeks and it's going to be a simple affair and Annie and, and uh, Cheryl will be the bridesmaids. And the twins are very excited about all the wedding details and um, Jessica thinks it's just wild that they're helping parent, uh, their parents plan a wedding as if second marriages were unusual in America in the 90s. Like, she seems to think this is crazy that like, oh, your parents are getting, you're going to be at your parents' wedding. It's like, there's a whole mm. book about Lila's parents. True, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jessica thinks a lot of things are wild. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't true. really go by her bar for wild. <laughs> well, we are told uh, that um, that a lot of things about this marriage are unusual because uh, there aren't many mixed marriages in Sweet Valley, I'll fucking say. And uh, this they're breaking new ground. And the topic of marriage encourages Jessica to bring up Stephen's nuptials that almost were. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she tells Cheryl that she's like, uh, oh, I bet you didn't know this about, uh, about my brother, but that he almost got married not too long ago. And Liz kind of tries to shut Jessica up with a look. But, uh, you know, she obviously doesn't pay attention to that. So she, uh, so she fills Cheryl in on the whole um, story about him and Kara almost running. Well, they did run off to Nevada, but didn't actually get married, of course. Yes. Uh, because Kara was moving to London and they decided they didn't want to be separated. And Cheryl's kind of like, wait, what the fuck? What happened? <laughs> <So> <laughs> Jessica's like, yeah, they changed their minds at the last minute. It's too bad. Uh, she's like, Kara was a really good friend of mine. I wish she was still around. It's like such a good friend of yours that you basically cut her dead and never speak to her or write to her or anything. Anything. <laughs> or mention her in context no. of uh, telling stories no. about your brother. Exactly, yeah. So uh, Jessica asks if Cheryl has a man in her life, but she says she hasn't had a boyfriend in a while. And of mm. course, Jessica wants to fix her up with somebody. And um, Cheryl says that she doesn't need a boyfriend. Oh, you, you're in the wrong town, Cheryl. Um, <laughs> But uh, Elizabeth jokes, just consider yourself warned because Jessica would like nothing better than see mm-hmm. Cheryl uh, 
become a pod person like the rest <laughs> of the Sweet Valley. She better couple up quick. Yes. Well, she finds out you soon finds out you really do have to have a date for everything. Oh, look. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, we cut to the Dairy Burger and uh, Annie and Cheryl are hanging out with Stephen and Tony after a football match because Tony's apparently now in the soccer team. Since I, when? I mm, I feel like he was, though, from before. Was he not just an athlete? I like think. a, a, a yeah, runner with his voice. He's definitely a runner. <laughs> yeah, like that obviously was the whole focus of uh, of cheating to win. But I don't know. I, I do feel like he's been mentioned before as being on the football t- or soccer team. Like when, Maybe with back in the gym. I think so. Yeah, it did kind of ring a bell, I have to say. But also at this stage, our brains are mush. So, I mean, really, oh, that's who's true. to say? <laughs> also, again, it's been five years. So, while we do know a lot about Sweet Valley, sometimes the details blend into one. <laughs> Just a bit. So, uh, Cheryl, rightly, frankly, thinks that uh, the soccer game was more fun than watching an American football game. But mm. uh, especially uh, she and Annie say that they could basically uh, perv over the <laughs> players um, yeah. in their skimpy uniforms. <laughs> but uh, they, um, Cheryl then gets a shock when Annie asks Tony to be her we- her date for the wedding. And yet again, Cheryl is our uh, relatable queen. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, because uh, Tony's like, oh, of course, it's going to be so special. I won't miss it. And like kisses Annie. And Cheryl is there like sipping her milkshake. And she's like, a date for the wedding? You've got to be kidding. Uh, I was like yes Cheryl you're absolutely right and she thinks it hadn't even occurred to her that she would need one it's like you don't and neither does Annie as anybody who has been in a wedding party knows there is no point going with somebody because you can be left at that table all day long because you are fucking busy she's your bridesmaids like Oh, well, she thinks she's had three weeks. She could rustle up a boyfriend by then. <laughs> and uh, we're told that she has met a lot of um, a lot of boys, but there's no boy has really, you know, tickled her fancy. Mm. And she wonders, it does strike her that maybe it's because there just aren't a lot of black guys there. Mm. And we, we are told later on she's, she's never gone out with anyone who wasn't black before. But then she has a brainwave. And uh, she thinks just because she hadn't landed a boyfriend yet didn't mean she had to be dateless at her dad's wedding. And who should she ask? Well, all she has to do is is turn her head and ask Stephen. So I do kind of like her solution, which is like, look, I'll ask my friend who I hang out with and that'll be fine. because Because this town is weird and apparently I need a date (laughs) while being a bridesmaid. So I'll just go with my pal. And it's like, yeah, that's perfect. That's what me and my friends did for our Debs because some of us were going oh. out with anybody because the Debs Absolutely. is the one thing that you're sort of, it was back in the early 90s that you were mm. sort of expected to have a date for even though we were sick at all girls school and oh. 99% of us did it's not definite, have boyfriends. Definite complication there, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes, he's, he says he'd be honoured and Cheryl thinks, what would I do without Stephen Wakefield? I mean, maybe find a boyfriend your own age. <laughs> be a good idea. For starters. <laughs> so they're sitting there with the table and over the course of the, the evening, a few people like Robin and Amy and, and others come over and they all make loaded remarks about how often Stephen is uh, is coming to Sweet Valley these days. I'm like, what can we bring him here? Mm. And uh, two other people who come over to the table are Aaron Dallas and someone who's been let out of the, the cupboard in Lila's mansion. Oh my God, lads, as my notes just say, in all caps, Jeffrey lives. <laughs> hey! 
<laughs> he made it out. I oh. to say, he's alive! <laughs> Lots so of exclamation marks. Honestly, never thought I'd be so happy to see Jeffrey French. Just like, literally, he's alive. We have proof of life. <laughs> he's made it out of whichever basement it was. Enid's or Lila's, I can't even uh, remember now. Oh, God, yeah. Maybe they had a rota worked out, I don't know. Oh, probably. Uh, <laughs> but he's out, he is in the Dairy Burger. He is living his best life, I can only hope. Hooray! <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they ask Stephen why he's back in town so often. And he's like, oh, the, these are the best burgers in Southern California. And um, uh, this, this is sort of the vibe. Everybody seems to be curious about what's mm. going on. And the others just start talking about the match again. But Cheryl is sort of self-conscious. She feels everybody staring at her. Um, you know, she's still an object of curiosity. But then she looks at Stephen's handsome profile. And the truth hits her. <laughs> yeah, uh, she reckons that uh, maybe it's not about me and maybe it's not about Stephen either, she guessed. Maybe it's about the two of us together. <gasps> well, meanwhile, the other side of the DB, mm-hmm. uh, Lila uh, is uh, is in a booth with um, Jessica, Sam, Winston, Maria, Sandy Bacon and mm-hmm. Jean West. And uh, Lila says it looks like a double date. And Jessica's like, oh, what Stephen and Cheryl? No, they're just friends. And um, Lila's like, no, they move beyond that. And Jessica's convinced. Yeah, they're again. This whole table is just staring at poor Cheryl oh and gosh. Stephen. Um, and yeah, as they're watching, it's like she she touches Stephen on the shoulder, or <laughs> Stephen touches her shoulder, and then yeah. she touches his arm, and it's like, well, they're basically married now. Um, Apparently, because so yeah, you touch someone on the arm, that's your boyfriend now. That's how oh god, works. yeah. So, um, yeah, so just that alone is enough for Jessica to think, oh, my God, Lila's right. Um, (gasps) And there's a bit then about Winston saying, oh, they're eating off each other's plates. And that's how I knew Maria liked me when she was stealing my onion rings. Um, But yeah, so Jess kind of watches them for a little longer and kind of says, God, you know, I can't believe I didn't realize this any sooner. They've been falling in love right under my nose. Again, these scenes go straight from like possibly fancying each other to different love. <laughs> so uh, Lila gets all smug and cites her counsellor. She says that uh, she's very good at reading body language and picking up on unconscious signals. My counsellor says I'm extraordinarily sensitive. Rather harshly, we're told Jessica really wasn't interested in oh, hearing gosh. yet another boring story about the boring counsellor who was helping Lila get over the trauma of almost being date raped. That sentence hell. is that fully I, I, one of the most insane sentences <laughs> that we have read in like 94 fucking books and the rest. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is happening? How is this anybody's thought process? Oh my God. <laughs> like, talk about just a twist at the end if you didn't know the context of what she was talking about, because fuck me. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, like Jessica, I thought Jessica was a better friend than yes. that. She, I mean, oh God. <laughs> so they joke anyway about Stephen sort of, you know, he's coming home every weekend mm. and uh, Winston giving her driving lessons. Winston's like giving her parking lessons at Miller's Point. So Sam thinks that if this is true, Stephen has great taste. And um, she says Cheryl's gorgeous. And Maria adds, I'm smart. And everyone agrees. And then Lila gets, well, now say disgusting. Uh, yeah, my notes here. This. Yeah, my notes here just say, "Ah, fuck, Lila's racist again." Oh, uh, I, I thought they were giving that mantle to Suzanne. To Suzanne, I had kind of hoped she was going to be our mm. like racism patsy, but unfortunately, yeah. Lila's back on her bullshit. Um, 
because uh, yeah, while well, everyone's nodding in agreement about you know what a catch Cheryl is, Lila kind of says, yeah, sure, she's gorgeous and smart. Lila acknowledged, but she's also, and it's just like dot dot dot. Lila didn't finish her sentence. She didn't need to. Jessica was able to fill in the blank, and judging by the expressions on her friends' faces, they could too. And in fairness, everyone's actually disgusted by yeah, Lila this at is this true. Table. Yeah, yeah, uh, that. Because um, Jessica frowns at her, and Lila, we're told, lifts her shoulders as an artless shrug and um, says, Look, all I'm saying is that Stephen could have any girl in Sweet Valley. Cheryl's fine for a friend, but I think it's kind of odd that he'd like her that way. And we're told, So much for your reputation as Miss Sensitive, Winston said disgustedly. And um, Lila insanely claims, spare me yourself, righteous pose. You know, you're all thinking the same thing. You're just too spineless to admit it. Like, no, like, Lila, you're being racist. What's that fucking going on here? Like, I, I mean, American listeners do help us out because obviously we know that, you know, white supremacist ideas about mixed relationships led to not only mixed marriages being illegal in mm. you know more than half the states up till the 60s but also to multiple murders and horrific violence um so it obviously is has a more loaded history than it does here where obviously it was it was never illegal anywhere in in Europe, I mean, the only mm. country in Europe that ever made marriages between different ethnicities illegal was Nazi Germany. Like nowhere else, even back in the day, yeah. was it ever illegal? And also because in a lot of cases, especially here, like the population of people of color was so small that mm. if people were limited, you know, mo- I mean, every person that I know growing growing up of my age in Ireland who uh, is a person of color is from a mixed heritage mm. because you know the the population was so small. So it, it just, obviously I'm not, there is racism here about oh, mixed course, relationships yeah. um, and all over Europe. This is absolutely the case. But in the nineties, anyone's, the way that this is refer is, is sort of openly described in this book just does, does not tie in with like the fact that it seems so mainstream to be shocked by it. Yeah, that just is kind not, of like it would just wouldn't ring true. I mean, it didn't ring true in my own life with yeah. friends. Like, it's yeah. just yeah, it's 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 so weird that in this book for like California in the nineties that it's pretty much fifty fifty whether a character in this book either doesn't care or is mortally fucking offended by the fact that Stephen and Cheryl are potentially a couple. Like, and also they're all shocked by it. I think that's the thing. Like, strange. as well as that yeah. actual explicit, like open racists mm. who are very explicit about being racist like Lila in this scene yeah everyone's really surprised yeah and that like is that accurate that does, it doesn't feel accurate at it all is, like. it, it really doesn't no. like um but you know what do we know so um like do let us know listeners what you think because I was very taken aback mm by how they all just like, could they be a couple? Oh my God, it's a scandal that they were a couple. Because it it would not have been in my school in the 90s. Mm, like, no. Like, if somebody yeah. was going out it was with someone who was black. No. Like, if there were a few hardcore racists who I, who I didn't know about in the school, they might have said something, but it, no one, it wouldn't have been a thing. 
No. If you know what I mean? Like, and it is a thing in this book. Yeah, very much so. Like it, it is, everybody's reaction is very fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, do uh, do let us know what you think about this. I mean, God knows we don't look to Sweet Valley for, for realism, <laughs> but it's just so extreme that mm. um, I would be really interested to know is 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 this something that any of you might have might have witnessed uh hopefully not been on the receiving end mm. of because it's pretty grim um so uh sam does te- sort of says okay come on let's calm down everybody but uh jessica is awestruck by the whole thing looks over to steven and feels my big brother is half of the very first interracial couple at sweet valley high Oh, I'm sorry. Goodness. There, there was. This is the first in Sweet Valley High. There were more in my, in my class in college this say or my year in college this same year that this book was published <laughs> than there were in fucking California. But town. Also, also, that's not even right. Like we've literally had like Annie <gasps> Jade, and Tony. Jade Wu and David we've Sandy and fucking Manuel Lopez their entire book was about how racist her parents were so like it's apart from being a weird thought it's not even fucking true there are many established couples who aren't like all white so yeah what is this? Like we've we've had full on books about it. What well, we have David who needed to have his Edward Said uh, reading course yeah. with his orientalist views mm-hmm. yeah Good Lord, there's there's a lot to uh, to unpack here, but um, yes, Jessica is is uh, very gung ho about it in a kind of annoying way, mm. but um, that's uh, that's almost the the least of Stephen and Cheryl's worries in this book. <laughs> Truly. So later, when Stephen gets home, Jessica plies him with questions, and um, she he says, "Like, did you have a good time at Miller's Point?" And Stephen is rightly, uh, "Yes, that's yeah, of course we did. Yeah, we were sitting there watching Annie and Tony making out." And Jessica's <laughs> like, "What I'm suggesting is that you and Cheryl might have done more than just watch," which really implies that they were having some sort of like group activity up there. <laughs> It really does. The way she's worded that, in fairness, is hilarious because that is, that's a four-way is what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> swapsies. In a car as well. Not much room. But... And those big American cars. Oh, true, true. <laughs> With the slidey seats as well. Exactly. Yeah, and if it's an automatic. And if there's no gear stick because it's an automatic, there's nothing but room. Jez, you could be swinging cats in there and you wouldn't even know. <laughs> What is going on at Miller's Point? <laughs> so, um, basically, uh, Stephen laughs it off because he just thinks mm. this is ridiculous. But um, he heads up to his room. But then he does realise that he hasn't been hanging around in Sweet Valley so much since the Cara days. And, of course, he and Cara were dating. Um and Cheryl is the first girl he's, he's you know, really wanted to spend so much time with since Cara left but he sort of admits he doesn't fancy her and he has a bit of a, just some soul searching. Yeah, he's trying to just, he's just really trying to figure it out uh, because yeah, he, he you know, he really does enjoy her company and he knows that she's, she's bright, fun and attractive. Uh, but uh, it's like for some reason, as much as he enjoyed her company, he hadn't thought about asking her out. Why? Stephen wondered. And uh, then he has a, a moment where he's like, he forced himself to confront the possibility because she's black. Uh, mm. But then decides that isn't the reason because he doesn't think about his friendship with her in terms of race. Um, and 
Yeah, he kind of eventually concludes that that doesn't have anything to do with it. And there's lots of reasons why he wants to keep things platonic between them. For example, Cheryl was a couple of years younger than you are. (laughs) (laughs) That course has fucking bolted Stephen. (laughs) Well, he does say, then again, Gal had been too. I'm like, ask yourself a few questions about that then, Stephen. Maybe reflect on that one for a bit, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And then he thinks, you know, oh, she relies on me because she's new in town. She doesn't know that many people, doesn't want to take advantage of that. Um, And he does admit that she's like super pretty and they really get on. And uh, so he's like, you know, Jessica, she is really attractive. And then he's like, well, maybe Jessica and Co are right. Like maybe the relationship is heading in that direction. But like, it's such typical Sweet Valley bullshit where it's like, I think this person is attractive. Therefore, I better ask them out. Yes. Rather than, you can think someone's attractive and not fancy them. That's fine. Like, it doesn't mean you are now like mandated to go and hit (laughs) on them, like, or see if they want to fucking go to Miller's Point with you. It's fine to just find someone attractive and leave it at that. Well, the next day at the Whitman Thomas household, all is harmony and uh, Cheryl can't believe how much life has changed in a few weeks. So Mona and Walter are discussing their plans. They're going to have an outdoor wedding. They're going to have a marquee and they all have to, of course, buy wedding outfits. Mm. And uh, Annie reveals that Tony's going to be her date to the wedding <laughs> and uh, uh, reveals Cheryl has a date too. And... Um, of course, the mystery, you know, Mona and Walter are all like, hmm, what's all this? <laughs> but Cheryl sort of plays it down. Yeah, she's like, look, we're not we're not a couple. We're just friends. And she's and like Annie kind of is weird about it, too. And is kind of egging her on. And she's like, oh, they're such a cute couple uh, when the parents are kind of asking her about it. Uh, and Cheryl's like, we're not. We're literally yeah. just friends. Uh, so Annie is being a bit annoying about it, too, in fairness. She is. Um, but yeah, she's just like, no, that's that's not what this is. Yeah. And then Annie sort of awkwardly asks, uh, look, you know, don't, you know, I don't know. I'm clueless about this, but maybe would you be interested in going out with a a white guy? Um, And she apologizes for being so blunt. And Cheryl's like, well, look, I appreciate your honesty. But as a matter of fact, I've never dated a white boy. And he says it wasn't a conscious choice or anything. She had a lot of white friends in New York, but it's just she just happened that way. But she's 16. So like, how many dates could you have been on? So it's obviously she... She she wouldn't have any objection to uh, mm. to dating Stephen if she fancied him. Um, so the the others change the topic, but Cheryl can't start pondering about you know the whole question of her and the boy next door, and she she wonders is race an issue because like she thinks he is smart and funny, and she thinks he's thoughtful and mature. He certainly is. <laughs> um, so she she is kind of taking seriously the possibility that she might fancy him. And like it is, pop- like people grow on you. So well, you that's know. true too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she's kind of got a bit hot and bothered. <laughs> and uh, later, she has another lesson with Stephen that is, is described at length for oh, quite gosh. a long time. Like they're yeah. doing some sort of obstacle course around. Yeah, that's about it. She drives over his sweatshirt at one point. That's about the height of it. <laughs> yes. So they're they're having fun, and Cheryl jokingly reveals that Annie is convinced that these lessons are are, are but a ruse to spend time <laughs> together. And Steve's like, "Oh, Jessica thinks the same thing, and thinks we're secretly in love." And um, they laugh about it, but then there's a little moment where they're sort of, you know, like, "Yeah, well, you know, guess it doesn't matter what people think. We know what's um, what the story is." And um, 
Cheryl, they looked at each other in silence for a moment. Cheryl's <laughs> eyes were warm with amusement. And something else. A question? A challenge? Stephen felt his body tense with expectation. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. It <laughs> <laughs> it's just the expectation in my pocket. <laughs> Well, the spell is broken, and uh, for now. Mm-hmm. And um, later, they finish up the driving lesson and they head up on the coastal highway. And Cheryl's relieved they've cleared the air, um, as she thinks. So she, they're on the road, and she suggests they stop for food. And Stephen knows a place that does burgers and veggie Mexican food called the Crooked Canyon Cafe. Um, so it's nearby. They see a neon sign in the in the twilight, and they decide to pull in. And now, listeners, this is the moment where things get quite nasty, and Cheryl is the target of some really unpleasant racial harassment. So, uh, if you want to skim over this scene, feel mm. free. We'll put a note in the in the show notes about. Um, about when it's over and we're we're back to the to the usual level of offensiveness in this uh <laughs> this story but um yeah. yeah we may see some of you in a few minutes mm-hmm. so they go inside and cheryl thinks it's it's like a movie and it is in a, in a bad way oh god yeah in an extremely grim way because it is mm. that thing that they walk in the place is smoky and noisy and packed but like as they walk in they there's a very definite feeling that the noise level has dropped Yes. Um, and Cheryl is like, yeah, there's definitely not as many people talking right now. Uh, so as she's walking through with Stephen, uh, like conversations are stopping. People are staring openly. And Cheryl, like quite understandably, just feels absolutely sick. Uh, yeah. Because she knows that they're staring at them because she's black and he's white. She's like, people assume we're a couple and they don't like it. And it just sounds yeah. horrible and so like so oppressive oh, as well. Like just it's, really that it's like nasty. everybody's staring at us and thinking the same thing. And this yeah. is fucking awful. And it gets scary very quickly. Um, so she wants, she just wants to run away, but Stephen's already taken a seat and she wonders if he's noticed the bad vibe. And, mm. um, and she re- soon realizes when she catches his eye that like, she sees her own embarrassed, fearful expression mirrored there and mm. thinks he noticed all right. So most of the diners stop, lose interest and just go back to their food after a moment, apart from one gang basically skinheads yeah yeah like they are described as like skinheads in leather jackets so it's like they're essentially fucking neo-nazis like is kind yeah. of the vibe there yeah um and they're staring openly at Stephen and cheryl and one of them makes a wise crack for that they can't hear but it's really obvious that they're it draws leering laughter from mm. them and it's so awful because we're told cheryl's mouth went dry and she had to clasp her hands to keep them from shaking and she tries to be, it's, it's really upsetting. She tries to be normal and look at the menu, but she can't. Because um, the gang uh, approach and, um, and sit at a table. They move tables to be closer mm. to Stephen and Cheryl. And Cheryl is trying to make sort of conversation about driving. And she just can't. Like she's trying to speak and it's her, she keeps stumbling over her words. And it's really upsetting. It is. It's awful. Like, because it's, it's so much like pressure I suppose on on her like and she's 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 just doing that whole thing of like not giving them the satisfaction that they're to show that they're getting to her or anything like that and she is just trying to be as normal as she can but like it's it's even just taking massive effort for her to just like nod along to what Stephen is saying yeah because uh, these guys are literally sitting at the next table now and just staring at them 
Uh, and it's Cheryl knows that like the more uncomfortable she looks, the happier they are about it. Uh, but like she's blinking black, te- blinking back tears, her heart's racing. Like it's just it's awful. And she does wonder then if this is what life would be like for her dad and for Mona. Yeah. Uh, are they just going to be harassed wherever they go um, just because they're in the because one is black and one is white? She's like, it's so unfair. It's absolutely heartbreakingly unfair. And like a waitress comes over and is kind of blunt with them. And I, I can't I couldn't figure out if the waitress was being a bitch here or if yeah. this is just like, you know, a rough and ready kind of spot yeah. or whatever. But it's just she can't even order properly because she's just so freaked out by this whole horrible situation that yeah. her head is just absolutely buzzing and oh. she can just hear these guys laughing and snickering the whole time like it's it's really horrible um so she tries to to speak but she's um but she just can't because they're hmm. all like like she say snickering and, and jeering and staring at her and told a single tear slid down her cheek and as soon as this happens thank fuck he did this um Stephen just takes her hand and says come on let's get out of here hmm. you know um which some would say he should have done earlier but i guess this yeah. is like i guess this has happened actually quite quickly so um they get up to go outside but they have to walk past the the skinhead gang hmm. and she tries to walk slowly um it's like she thinks they're not going to chase me out of here and yeah. won't give them the satisfaction of seeing me run and then just as they're about to, they're at the door, a horrible, snide, snarling voice makes an ex- a vile mark and says, I guess a California suntan is good enough for, it, for him. He likes them really dark. And Cheryl flinches as if she'd been struck and she wants to run away. And she, but she also wants to, like, you know, punch the skinheads in the face. Mm. And she just, she knows she's powerless. Stephen puts her, his arm around her and they, her, his strength flowed into her and they walk into the night. Um, so they drive away silently and Stephen's wishing that he had hit the guy, but maybe that would have escalated. And, mm. you know, they stop at the parkland by the sea and they gaze out over the water. And um, then there's, they're just sort of overcome with emotion. Yeah, um, this is the thing. Like, they are just very kind of, like, they sit there in silence uh, for a mm. while. And, like, Stephen is fuming as well at this whole situation and, and yeah. kind of thinking, like, I should have hit that guy. It's like, I would have if she wasn't with me. But then, of course, if mm. Cheryl wasn't there, there wouldn't have been any kind of a of this reaction either. So he's just like, how how did we end up here? Why did this have to happen? Um, so, yeah, they are just kind of, like, just sitting there. I suppose neither of them really know what to say. But he can kind of he kind of reaches out and takes her hand and kind of hopes that like the touch communicated all the things he wanted to say, but couldn't. So, you know, it's like, apparently this hand squeeze manages to convey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You had to go through that. I'm sorry. I let those jerks hurt you. And I'm sorry. There's people like that in the world. There's a lot of the two of them not actually saying stuff to each other, but apparently they just understand. And it's like, this is also (laughs) a reason for many of their issues that they don't just fucking say what's on their mind to each other. But every so often they get magical fucking mind reading abilities, apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Cheryl does eventually just say that was so awful, but her voice kind of breaks as she says it. Um, yeah, and her pain cuts Stephen like a knife. So they, they're both sort of full of like almost angry tears. Mm. And she's he says, what if we were a couple? What difference should it make that I'm white and you're black? And Cheryl says, it shouldn't make any difference. And they sort of bond over the awfulness of, of prejudice. Um, and then Cheryl lifts her face to his, her beautiful tear-stained face. <laughs> and they kiss. 
They do, yeah. So like they do properly kiss each other and it's like it's passionate and a deep kiss and they're under the stars at the edge of the sea and it's all very kind of the world as well. It's fucking intense and pretty romantic in fairness, but also they're just very, Cheryl's very vulnerable, I suppose. And it's very, an emotionally charged scene that they've just kind of gotten out of. So I guess emotions are very high. Things are kind of weird and everyone's a bit thrown off. But yeah. uh, it's yeah, actually they, weirdly convincing in that it sense. It is. It is that you would just feel like you just need somebody to mind you or something yeah. like and that they do kind of comfort each other. And it's not ridiculous that they end up kissing here. I feel like it's very no. understandable that that's how that situation ends up. I have to admit that this mm. is true. I do yeah. give this book any credit, but I mean, <laughs> it is convincing. Like they've got the adrenaline, they're just, yeah. um, they need comfort and they've just, you know, they, 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 it's it's a very loaded moment mm. when they're there. Yes. So this makes sense. It does. So later, Cheryl sneaks into the house. She's too overwhelmed with emotion to talk to um, Mona and um, uh, or, or and Walter and, and Annie. But Annie sneaks in to or to to see you know where she's been all evening. And when Cheryl reveals that she was with Stephen, um, and I meant she was with him in the Irish way, which is what we used to <laughs> use when I was a teenager, just to say that you like snogged somebody. You would say you were with somebody, oh, you know, last yeah. night. In, in my school, if it wasn't shift, it was meet. Did you meet him? It's like, do you want to meet oh. my friend? And it's like, like meet or meet, meet. <laughs> it was very confusing, like very ridiculous language to be using. <laughs> I would say it was like with, with? Yeah, or... Exactly, that you need to clarify it by saying yeah. it twice. <laughs> oh, she met him. Like met, met? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Kissing with tongues. That's what it means. (laughs) Ridiculously. So um, Annie is delighted to hear this and uh, actually says, I've been thinking a boyfriend was just what you needed to make you feel more at home in Sweet Valley. Oh, fucking hell. The worst part is she's right. Like this is how they operate in Sweet Valley. You need a boyfriend. (laughs) So um, poor Cheryl is worried that the people of Sweet Valley... Uh, might uh, might be you know maybe they won't be like the skinheads but mm. um who are actively aggressive but the the judgment the condemnation was bound to be there under the surface but she says she gets all defiant and she says well i don't care what they think um uh you know interracial romance is okay for dad and mona and it's okay for Stephen and me and Annie's like oh everything will be fine i wouldn't worry cheryl argues and she's fucking right everyone won't be fine they're going to talk about me more than ever and annie is insisting no 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 they'll be delighted for you and yet again annie don't try and explain the mm. racial experience to Mm-mm. um to to somebody who is who has a racist experience to somebody who has just experienced it but um Anyway, Cheryl thinks she and uh, no one could persuade her that she and Stephen were going against the odds. And the question was, could they beat them? So we cut to Monday afternoon and the twins come home to find Stephen still there because he's had another three-day weekend, conveniently. (laughs) Apparently, honestly, pre-law must be an absolute fucking doddle because this man is never in college. He isn't. Well, Jessica didn't see him last night because she was with Sam. She revoltingly tells Liz, I learned a number of new things about Sam. He's the cutest freckle. Guess guess where? (laughs) And Elizabeth and I say, I don't want to know. Whereas I'm like, write him while you have the chance, Jessica, because he is not around for long. Oh, yeah, do it. I just don't want description. I mean, I'm, yeah, no. I'm not be talking about where oh, God, the mind wheels about where this freckle is. But anyway, I mean, 
it's, it's on his penis, right? That's what yeah. it's like. <laughs> just going, it's got a freckly dick. <laughs> well, they go inside and Stephen has just woken up. He just he was tossing and turning last night because um, he's so, you know, his, his mind is a whirl. And he admits what happened. He says about him and Cheryl, I guess you could say we're now romantically involved. And um, Jessica's delighted, but Liz uh, uh, Liz is happy for him. Um, and Stephen says, look, I understand if you felt a bit shocked, you can admit it. And they're like, why would we be shocked? Um, you know, and why would they in these circumstances? <laughs> but he's like, no, no, a lot of people are going to have an issue with it and it will be an uphill battle. And Liz thinks he's not really acting like somebody in love. He's acting like he's out to prove something. But yeah, what? she kind of she kind of feels like no matter what she says, he's determined to take it the wrong way. So he's being kind of weirdly defensive from the get go about it. And I suppose, yeah, she obviously knows her brother and knows what he's like when he has a girlfriend or somebody that he's excited about. And she's just like, mm, are you sure about this? <laughs> well, of course, Stephen and Cheryl were both right. Um, because the next day at school, everyone knows they are losing their fucking minds and as i said earlier i this baffled me baffled me and like i said i am not i um in no way uh pretending that interracial couples have not been on the receiving end of all sorts of bullshit Mm. here absolutely but i can honestly tell you that if you heard somebody in your town or your school or your college was going out with somebody who was back. It would not have been a scandal here in the early 90s. It just wouldn't have been. Like, yes, there could have been racists who... who um, would have something to say about something it. Something to yeah. say about it. But it would not have been... And, and that would have been seen as sort of unacceptable mm. behaviour by, um, by the sort of people we're talking about in this book, you know, who are not meant to be sort of like... It seems like everyone in the town is shocked by it. The way they were all shocked by the sight of Cheryl last <laughs> week. Like, yeah. it's it's just like the first couple, that the first kids that, that um, uh, Jessica sees when she comes into the school are two girls who are saying, it didn't take Cheryl long to land a guy. You'd think she'd have picked someone and... Then uh, Jessica rightly says, why don't you spit it out? Don't pretend to be ladylike and tactful when really you're a narrow-minded wimp. <laughs> and then the other girl says, I know what you mean. I can't, I just can't see it from Cheryl's point of view or from Stephen's. I, for one, could never be attracted to. And she clear, Jessica che- clears her throat loudly. So an elbows past the two mm. of them and glares at them so she could watch with profound satisfaction <laughs> as their faces turn scarlet. But like... <laughs> These are kind of representative of the student body at large, as far as we can make out. Pretty much. And like, it is it is weird that it's not just like some fucking asshole minority of kids that are having this reaction to it. It's very much played as like, this is how most of the school is acting about it. Or at least if they're not, you know, fucking against it, <laughs> they're shocked by it. Even the people yeah, that don't have an issue, the... they're all pretty much shocked yeah which is it's yeah. just it's weird it's weird but like for weird. some reason this is the reaction that the school is having so unfortunately we just have to roll with it i can tell you whatever measures they brought in after the horrific act of racist violence mm. where they're all meant to be having a weirdness campaign that didn't take that clearly fucking flopped anyway yeah jesus god lord so yeah because it's <laughs> gets worse at lunch Jessica rants about these little racists to Amy but Amy's like it's all very new and confusing it's like what are you talking about 
it's okay, Amy. No one actually asked your opinion about this. <laughs> How was it? I just don't know. Anyway, um, so they join uh, Lila Winston, Maria Jean, Suzanne, Scott. Well, it's Scott Trost, but they say Scott Frost. <laughs> Scott Frost. <laughs> I did I, enjoy that because fuck Scott Trost, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that guy sucks. No, I don't. I never forgave him, even after that boyfriend game or no. whatever the fuck was called. That dude was awful. So Jean is making like everybody has uh, has a reaction basically. Mm. Yeah, and, like Jean kind of goes out of her way to say that like I want to be the first to tell you I think it's wonderful that Stephen and Cheryl are dating. They make a very glamorous couple. So like even people who are being supportive, they're doing it in this really kind of performative way. Yes, to like let it be known. I think this is great because I am not a racist, and it's like yeah. the fact that you're making such a big deal out of this is weird. <laughs> oh, I mean, apart from Winston. Winston is the only one who's chill about it. Truly, actually, yeah, he he genuinely is. And he was the one who was overtly disgusted by Lila earlier in the Dairy Burger when she was being a little fucking bitch about it. Good old new Winston. Mm. Um, But uh, Scott uh, says they're pioneers, trailblazers. And... um, So tells Lila that, yes, her brother has courage and conviction. He's not about to let other people's hang-ups influence him. Don't you ever go to the movies... True romance recognises no batter- barriers. And Lila rolls her eyes and says, true romance, give me a break. And, of course, Suzanne is there. And, unsurprisingly, she, uh, she's she got something to say. Of course, yeah. I mean, I really hoped it was just going to be Suzanne as our designated racist, but unfortunately, Lila uh, is disgracing herself in this book. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Suzanne chimes in then and says, you know, that she couldn't tell thinking that Stephen would be happier dating someone more like Cara, for example. And wouldn't Cheryl be more comfortable going out with a guy who shared her background? And again, like Maria calls her out and she's like, you mean her skin yeah. color, don't you? Um, but then Caroline is like, I don't get it either. If you ask me, they're making a big yes. mistake. They're asking for trouble. They'll never fit in. And like... In fairness, Jessica is getting fucking annoyed by this. And she's like, they're not asking for trouble. They're not asking for anything but tolerance. Uh, and Winston's like, yeah, unfortunately, it looks like that's in short supply uh, because people are assholes. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. Um, so uh, Amy offers grudging support and says, <laughs> I, for one, am on your side. But I have to admit, I can't see the relationship lasting long. There are just too many obstacles. Society isn't ready for Cheryl and Stephen. Sweet Valley isn't ready. Like, this town has never felt more like something from the fucking 50s. Like, lads, we're in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s at this stage. Would you all please just fucking chill out? It's 1993, I think, Mm. this book came out. Because I checked. I was like... So, yeah, somehow I in Dublin in the mid-90s knew more (laughs) (laughs) mixed, in inverted commas, interracial couples than anyone in Sweet Valley does, which seems very implausible to me. But anyway, um, Jessica stomps off and she performatively hugs Cheryl, who was with Liz, Todd, Enid, Rosa, Rosa, Annie and Tony, and starts banging on. I'm going to have a blast. Now you're a couple. You're going to have to go lots of double dates. You're practically a member of the family. Cheryl is rightly what the fuck? Like, she's literally <laughs> kissed this boy once and they're acting like she's engaged. Pretty much, yeah. And even, like, Liz is kind of trying to catch Jessica's eye and she's just like, stop being so pushy, mind your fucking business. But uh, but Jessica's on a roll and she's just kind of babbling on now and she's like, oh, you know, and now your father and Mrs. Whitman's wedding coming up and how romantic you'll be together on that day of their wedding. 
Uh, she's like, don't you think it's romantic? Like to Annie and Tony. Tony just shrugs and is like, yeah, fair. Um, but um, yeah, she's just kind of banging on about how amazing this whole wedding is going to be now. And then uh, again, because she's on such a role of like, I'm such a supportive sister of my brother and this new scandalous relationship that uh, she offers that her and Liz would love to do something special uh, for the wedding. She says, we'll bake a wedding cake. <laughs> Liz yes. is like, a wedding cake? What the fuck? What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yes, as a goodwill gesture. Uh, despite the fact she famously can't cook anything. And insanely, Annie agrees. Yes. <laughs> this is more of a threat than a than a fucking yes. offering of goodwill, really, isn't it? Also, what does Mona and Walter think about this? But um, <laughs> who knows? Um, so after school, Liz collects Je- uh, Jess collects Liz at the Oracle office and asks if the headline for the next issue is going to be Cheryl Thomas dates white boy or Stephen Wakefield falls for black girl and actually admits a racist friends have gone too far. Oh God. Yeah, she does kind of say uh, that the comments she overheard today really made her sick. She's like, and from people who were supposed to be Stephen and Cheryl's friends. She's yeah. like, why is everybody so racist? Why indeed? Um, yeah, and Elizabeth kind of pulls the whole like, not all sweet valians, but like, you know. <laughs> Worrying many, about of them. Too many, as Jessica points out. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, even the ones who weren't actively opposed to it are, mm. are surprised. So shocked, um, yeah. Which is the mad part, which I just cannot believe. Mm. So um, Jessica gets romantic, but Liz thinks she's getting carried away. And it's like, why can't... Uh, because Jessica's saying things like, why can't they accept true love? And um, this is like, uh, they've known each other for about a month. Like, I can't cool your jets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a lot more complicated than mm. you're making on, like, don't put too much pressure on them. They've literally gone for one. We don't even think it's a date. It wasn't even a date. They've literally kissed yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Mm. So on Thursday, Cheryl and Rosa bike to Seca Lake. Rosa jokes that Sweet Valley's answer to, answer to Central Park. Hmm. <laughs> but they uh, they bond over being glad that they both rejected Pi Beta Alpha, and rightly so. Uh, I'm very here for the Cheryl and Rosa friendship. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's God. like the two of them against all these fucking assholes and sorority bitches. Please. So um, she Rosa thinks Rosa sort of knows, you know what. Um, what it's like to be the target of, of their gossip. But she thinks mm. it'll blow over. And uh, then Cheryl says, and actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, in fairness to Jessica, I could see why Cheryl thinks this, but this isn't actually true. Cheryl thinks that Jessica's acting so, uh, you know, thrilled about her and Stephen going out because she really doesn't, to try and cover up her own prejudice because she doesn't like the idea of um, of Cheryl dating her, her brother. And... Um, Rosa says, look, I know what it's like to be discriminated against, Cheryl, but I don't think you're being fair to Jessica in this case. And in fairness, that isn't Jessica's deal. No, yeah, that's true. And, you know, She's you more the saying... performative opposite. <laughs> and but, like... and you, do, you do hate to say in fairness to Jessica, but in fairness to Jessica, <laughs> it's never the issue with her. And she never had an issue with Cheryl. And even like back along, she was the first person who kind of knew what Cheryl looked like before she even arrived because she'd seen her in the magazine. She was all excited about how cool and sophisticated this New York girl was. Yeah, um, actually, she wasn't so shocked that, no. Ro- that that Walter was black. Like it didn't really... No, she didn't care. Like she she kind of already knew because she had the context for yeah, it. Yeah, like, so she was like, oh was... yeah, that's... Him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it wasn't an issue at all. Like, so mm. again, in fairness to Jess, like this has never been an issue for her. Yes. Uh, and she is being kind of annoying, but it is just because she's being performative and kind of yeah, looking for which attention. is annoying, obviously. Yeah. Yes, in its own way, but it's it's not coming from um, 
you know, she is actually being honest as well. She is. Her, yeah, yeah, her... yeah. She's not. She's not covering up anything at all. Yeah. Like she, she genuinely is happy that Stephen has somebody, but she is just yes. yeah, being kind of a pain in the arse about it. Well, Rosa says that just the most important thing. So Cheryl basically says, sorry, that it's it's just so hard to know what's going on. Um, and Cheryl says, well, the only thing that matters is really that you and Stephen care for each other. And mm. Cheryl is like, oh, shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, realizes she, she asks herself what's in her heart and realizes she doesn't know. And then she realizes she's not really, she should. You know, she's going to see Stephen later, but she doesn't have sort of butterflies in her tummy. She doesn't have that thrill. It just mm. feels like um, seeing a friend. But she tells herself that's not important. And she just basically it's she she's she feels she has to prove something to the world. Well, this is it. And look, I'm a big fan of doing things out of spite. It's a great motivator. Mm. But like yes. in this case, neither of them are particularly happy with the way this is going. But they just are now out to prove a point to this fucking racist town, mm. which I do get as well to a point, but it's like, yeah. but you're not actually happy not your, within Not in your love situation. life. Like. Yeah. Like you don't have to martyr your love life to prove a point. That is kind of ridiculous. Mm. So later in the other house in Calico Drive, um, Walter <laughs> invites the others to his dark room to choose which fo- family photo will go in the paper with their engagement announcement. So uh, it's very touching. He wants all of them to be like, it's going to be the four of them mm. in uh, in one photo. And, you know, they're all going to be a family. And Cheryl has a moment, it is really poignant, where she feels sad about her mom. And she does think it hit her. Mona was going to be her new mother. And in fairness to Mona, she's not trying to to step in. You know, Mona's, oh, no in her in Cheryl like she's not trying to sort of take over as no Cheryl's mother but um uh so she uh she has a, a little poignant moment but mm. then Mona asks the two girls will each of them give a toast at the wedding and they happily agree and Annie gets hers written straight away and it's really charming it's all about love and family and she like she literally you know bangs it off in a, in a few minutes but um Cheryl finds it more more difficult. She's she's having to think about what she'll write in hers when the, there's a knock on her bedroom door. And who could it be? Well, it's Stephen. <laughs> just it's... wandering wandering into bedrooms now. <laughs> yeah. Free and easy. And it's very awkward. Oh God, it's so cringe. Like he kind of he puts his hand on her shoulder. Oh. She's kind of looking at him going, Oh God, do I kiss him? Do I shake his hand? So he oh. kind of he bends to kiss her forehead and she's aiming for his cheek and they basically just fucking headbutt each other, it sounds oh. like. And it's just extremely awkward. And they kind of laugh. He kind of like gives her a friendly squeeze and says, We'll get the hang of it. But like straight away, oh. it's like it should not be this fucking awkward. No. Like this quickly. <laughs> Well, you know, there can be a sort of an awkward moment the first time after, like, you're with somebody, as we would have said back in the day. And you're like, met them. (laughs) (laughs) So vague. (laughs) In my case, this is a very long time ago. But in the midst of time, um, there would be the slight, like, oh, so are we actually just. Was that one off or is this going to yeah. go? <laughs> but this is not quite like that. This is like they they clearly, you know, he, they, he literally says, or she literally says, things are different. Uh, so, you know, they're kind of acknowledging the awkwardness and they yeah. decide to just chat. And um, so, you know, they don't try to like rekindle the passion straight away. <laughs> so she tells him about the toast and 
he says, well, you know, she's finding it difficult. And he says, what was your first impression of them? And she thinks initially she thought they were crazy to get married. Probably, I presume because they're doing it after like three weeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> but now she thinks it's 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 great. And she's proud of them. Um, so Cheryl, Stephen says, well, why don't you say that? So Cheryl writes a few lines, but it really is very dry and formal and it is not romantic. No, not at all. Like she kind of, instead of just talking about, the, she kind of mentions them, you know, making a lifelong commitment to each other, despite the social forces arrayed against them, which, you know, is exactly what you want to hear in a speech on your fucking <laughs> wedding day. <laughs> Can we not? <laughs> a weak love can't survive the forces that seek to destroy us. Jesus, come on, oh, Cheryl. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she knows it's not enough. And even Stephen is like, yeah, it doesn't really feel wedding to me. Yeah. So they're eventually they agree, okay, look, this is the first draft. You can come back to it. And then yeah. they sit there and then they have the least sexy kiss ever. <laughs> oh, God. The word beautifully is mentioned. Oh, no. Oh, it's awful. Like, yeah, even as they're kissing, it's like, the kiss was tender and reassuring, as it should be. But Cheryl's like, why do I feel distracted and weird? And even like in her mind is just kind of going, not quite right, not quite right, yeah. <laughs> not quite right. And it's like, no, you don't want this. Like, neither of you want this. This yeah. is awkward. Oh, well, we cut to the next morning where Stephen is still in, I don't know what day. The week is, Look, like he's, the... he's basically given up college and hasn't told him that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he staggers down at uh, about 11. Jessica's also just gone up like a normal teenager. And <laughs> she's basically, she's sickened with the rest of the household because they've been up since dawn. Um, and he's all like, oh, you and Cheryl need to make every moment count. Is it big? Oh, yeah, but you certainly do. Um, there are days and a couple are numbered, Jessica. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, he's, she's like, is it big and a couple great? And Stephen's like, uh, yes, it's great. And um, she, uh, she, he's, he's just not exactly excited. And... No, he's not at all. Like, yeah, because Jessica is just kind of babbling on about how amazing it is to be in a couple and how she never really wanted to be tied down. But now that she's met Sam, everything's amazing. And she's like, you know what I mean? And Stephen's like, not, wasn't sure he did, but not it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, then uh, Jessica's like going on about what a big night this is going to be oh for him God. and Cheryl. And Stephen's like, what are you talking about? She's like, it's your first public appearance as a couple. <laughs> She's like, what are you going to do? Dinner? Dancing? And Stephen is just like, what is happening? Why is this? And it is funny because like, and it's all the way through this book. It's like Sweet Valley operates like society in the fucking Gilded Age or something. It's like the stakes are, is someone going to get invited to a party? (laughs) What is your your first formal public appearance in society going to be? It's like... Why are you all so fucking weird and formal? What is happening? <laughs> oh, my, it is so unintentionally funny. So, <laughs> Stephen, all he could think of is their last outing, which was the awful trip to the Crooked Canyon Cafe. Hmm. And uh, then he basically asks both his sisters if they'll go on a double date. They have plans. So then he brings all his college friends and asks them to come down to Sweet Valley, including also- Fraser. <laughs> Shock twist, he has college friends and more than one. <laughs> well, Fraser has been mentioned before. But, oh, he uh, was in a super thriller, wasn't he? Was he a guy that was fucking yes! around during one of the summer books? It yeah. was a super thriller, you're right. I couldn't it remember was. which one. Jessica fancied him. That's, of course she did. <laughs> He's a college boy. That's yeah. enough for her. <laughs> well, he he feels relieved when they agree to come down. And then he does and realise that it's 
genuine. This is weird. Like what he has just done is weird. He's got a new girlfriend and he's <laughs> just done anything possible to get out of having a single date one on one with her. Yes. Um, <laughs> but and he's like, I'm not afraid to be alone with her. He tells himself firmly. But then he has an even more unsettling thought and he wonders why he called his friend Martin. Oh, yeah. So he kind of realizes that, yeah, he kind of wonders, like, why did I call Martin? He said, so, you know, so there would be another black person in the group so Cheryl wouldn't stand out so much. And he kind of thinks, no, because like Martin is genuinely a friend of his. So this isn't yeah. really like Annie inviting random kids of color. No, no, no. They're in the same class. They're in a study group. They play basketball together. Like, but he kind of tells himself that the reason that he's done this massive fucking round robin, like get a group together quickly, uh, is because he wants to show her off to his friends. And he kind of reassures yeah. himself that there's nothing weird about that. That's all no. this is. And kind of like shows any other more disturbing thoughts from his mind and kind of mm. figures, no, that's that's all this is. And that's why I've decided to fucking rent a crowd <laughs> for this date tonight. <laughs> Well, later, the twins get ready and they are wearing some classic outfits. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> and Liz, oh my God, she's such a fucking dork. She thinks Todd likes this dress, Elizabeth reflected. Her cheeks turning pink as she admi- anticipated the admiring look and the kiss with which he was sure to greet her. It's like, <laughs> unless you are blushing about him actually having an, an erection. Like, this is overkill. Like, why are you blushing at the thought that he will, like, ooh, he might give me an admiring look. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> well, the ankles are out tonight, lads. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica's up to her usual clothes stealing and outfit changing. So there'll be outfits galore later, listeners. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, Liz has wondered, you know, why... Stephen seemed so nervous like why do you keep asking him on double dates but Jessica's mm. like oh look that's just his way of letting us know he's serious about her you know he wants to to go out in a big group but um you know I like she, he wants to make sure we all accept them as a couple and this is like why am I questioning this am I a mm. racist and um <laughs> she uh she she realizes that she she genuinely just doesn't think this is what Stephen is like with when he's in love. And God knows she's seen him in love several times already. And he's just following around lookalikes. He's anxiety. He's a... <laughs> just stalking fucking dead girlfriend doppelgangers. You know, usual. <laughs> Normal behaviour. <laughs> so um, Cheryl and Stephen arrive at the, at the beach disco and he hopes she's okay with him inviting all his friends. And she's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then she's worried she sounded a bit too glad. And... Then she has another fear because she wonders, oh shit, is he nervous about introducing his new black girlfriend to his white friends? Um, but they're all completely, you know, they don't blink an eye. Hmm. And uh, Cheryl's the one who's surprised because Stephen, Stephen's friends aren't all white. Yeah, she's kind of surprised uh, by this turn of events. Uh, so she's introduced to Martin. Um, she's introduced to everybody, like, but I suppose yeah. Martin has kind of caught her eye. Uh, so the guys are all like, everyone's very friendly. They're like, oh, I hope you like to dance because they're they're at the beach disco. Yeah. Uh, I think Frazier's like, yeah, the music here is hot. Um, so yeah, they're all kind of friendly. I think one of them takes her arm and then like one of Stephen's female friends takes his arm and they're like oh you'll have to share her and she's like oh and you'll have to share him and it's all very kind of bantery yeah, and yeah. chill like everyone's normal and sound they're a nice crew nice. yeah they are. they're unlike the Sweet Valley gang oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking hell they're not as easily shocked mm. 
But um, when she sees uh, Martin, she has an unexpected shiver up her spine and she feels an electric tingle. And she checks about it. Is, oh, I nearly described his outfit. You it's know, casual that's okay. and elegant. It is. Yeah. We can also talk about his outfit. There are so many outfits in this book. It's like the one good thing about this book is the fact that we saw Jeffrey's alive and there's good outfits. <laughs> <laughs> True. So yes, he's wearing baggy black cotton trousers and a t-shirt that accentuates his lean, broad-shouldered build. And he's the kind of casual but elegant style Cheryl always fell for. And he's tall. And when she meets his intense dark eyes, she feels a little dizzy. I mean, yeah, Martin sounds fucking hot. Jesus. He does. That's hotter than Stephen. Yes. Lego man. <laughs> fucking angry Lego man. <laughs> <laughs> well, they start to dance and they bond over music. It's Eddie's Orvin B Express. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> and they're Martin's favourite band and he's got quite a claim to fame. Yeah, he claims that uh, he he once took a saxophone lesson from Eddie himself and Cheryl's impressed by this. But then uh, Martin kind of reveals, he's like, well, in a matter of speaking, he says that the band were playing at a club near school and he caught Eddie in between sets in the men's room and he gave me a couple of tips. (laughs) So, uh, but, you know, Cheryl is is quite taken with Martin and they chat about music and she's like, oh, so you play the saxophone and they chat about (laughs) jazz, of course. (laughs) He's a little jazz cop. Oh, don't you know? I'll tell you, they must be booked solid for the Sweet Valley Social Scene. <laughs> well, they play at frat parties on the like. <laughs> so, um, Cheryl understandably forgets all about Stephen, this uh, cultured hunk, and says she'd love to hear her play. And uh, she's like, oh, he says, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sure you do when you come up to visit Stephen. She's like, oh, fuck, yeah, Stephen. Oh, oh God. Literally <laughs> thinks I almost <laughs> forgot about him. Yeah, because like there's such a stark difference between her very clear attraction to Martin and her and just chemistry. total, her total fucking ambivalence towards Stephen, <laughs> where it's just like they're together to prove a point. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. just, no fun in that. So um, he suggests they try a duet sometime and it's Cheryl's turn to blush. <laughs> and... um. She, uh, they, the, the song ends and he's like, that, thanks for the dance. That was fun. And she thinks it was too much fun. <laughs> and uh, Jessica, meanwhile, is delighted because she thinks Cheryl and Stephen are madly in love. And Amy <laughs> tells her they're taking Sweet Valley by storm or most of it. Oh, God. Yeah. So Jess and kind of her whole gang are at the beach disco as well, just on the other side of the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jess kind of... She's bobbing to the music, so I do like that. She sounds like <laughs> Isabel from, from the last PB. She's kind of like <laughs> sambaing around the room. Um, yes, she finds, she finds Lila sitting uh, at a table and she's like, oh, hasn't anybody asked you to dance, Miss Wallflower? Um, and Lila's like, no, no one had touch with a 10-foot pole, which, you know, under normal circumstances would be fair because pretty much everybody sucks anyway in this town. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, she's kind of like, Jess is like, oh, you know, it's a shame because love is really in the air tonight. And again, Lila's just like, oh, love, is that what you call it? Um, and she's just, Lila just continues to be oh, awful in this scene oh. and is like all snippy and gross about it. She's like, oh, I guess there's no law against two people dancing together. Maybe to some people, Stephen and Cheryl represent the newest fad. But take my word for it, Jessica, lots of people won't go for it. Um, so it's kind of weird that they're sort of framing it like Lila is kind of saying that, oh, you know, people won't go for it rather than she herself yes. clearly has a fucking issue with it. Yeah. So there's a weird kind of near, nearly deflection or something in the way that they're telling yeah. us that Lila's talking about it. Well, Je- yeah, because Jessica keeps accusing her of being a snob. But it's like, this yeah. is not snobbery. Like, Je- mm-hmm. like, there's nothing snobbish about this. Cheryl is the New York private school educated mm. 
daughter of a photographer. Like this is, you can't, snobbery doesn't even make sense in this. She's fancier mm. than Stephen. So she's so fancy, ex- like she, like genuine. She plays piano, which is enough for anyone in Sweet Valley to be like, she is so sophisticated. Like, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so she um, she says, it's not a question of fashion. Take my word for it. You're going to end up by yourself on this one, Lila. She hopes so, but I'm so, mm. sadly, I don't think that's the case. And Lila's like, do you really think so? Then maybe we attended different Sweet Valley highs last week. I didn't get the impression that everyone feels the way you do about this. Far from it. And Jessica hopes people can change their minds, but mm. Lila's not so sure. Yeah. So later, Cheryl's all danced out, but Stephen asks her to stay for a slow st- session. She basically grits her teeth and gives <laughs> in. It's so grim. Like, lads, come on, just just let this go. Neither of you are enjoying this. Like, she literally has to tell herself, try to relax. Um, and she can't. Like, she's kind of, they're dancing and she's kind of, she glimpses a bunch of people from school. Um... But like, yeah, it's like it's her and Stephen's first night out. I suppose since word got around that, yeah, that they're it's their public debut. Couple, it's their public <laughs> debut into society. So like, people have been staring at them all night. So she just feels awkward. Yeah. Um, but then she's also like, oh, but is that really the reason that I feel so awkward? Because obviously she is quite taken with Martin, and she kind of sees Martin dancing with Eve, who's his friend, and she's like, oh, Martin's face was so animated, so handsome, and she kind of has to stop herself. But she's like, she can't deny the attraction that she has mm. to him. Like she's danced with him twice. She enjoy, enjoyed it way more than any other dances that she had that night. So at first she's kind of like, do I feel awkward because everyone's clearly fucking staring at us? Or do I feel awkward because I definitely fancy Stephen's friend and not Stephen? <laughs> well, she realizes she's been avoiding talking to Stephen all night. And mm. then she can't deny the truth. She just, she realizes with a shock, not a shock <laughs> to us, I'm not attracted to Stephen. And she realizes she loves talking to him, but she doesn't want to kiss her uh, or kiss him and yeah. yes they had that romantic moment under the stars but now his touch leaves her cold and then she thinks but I'm in love with Stephen Cheryl thought her emotions in a state of complete confusion what's going on here like why would you think you're in love with somebody <laughs> you have kissed once genuinely yes maybe once awkwardly like what I, that wouldn't even <laughs> cross my mind to think even when I was that age that I was in yeah. love that quickly oh we're supposed to be in love. It's like, no, like you just don't fancy him and that's okay. And like so much of this book is Stephen and Cheryl having these fucking breakdowns internally monologuing about what the issue could possibly be. And the issue is you don't fancy each other and that's basically it. Which (laughs) you've known from the start. Yes, like you had one good kiss and that was it. Everything else has been awkward and weird and neither of you have particularly enjoyed it since. So like just fucking call time on it, please. You don't fancy each other. Well, she wonders if it's a like if it's a race thing, basically, because she does fancy Martin and he's black and she's not attracted to Stephen because he's white. But um, but she thinks it can't be that. Um, And uh, they leave. They all leave. Like, it's just, you know, it's the end of the night. And Cheryl is a bit of a pang when Martin tells Stephen he's a lucky guy. Mm. Told she never felt so awkward or so guilty. (gasps) So the next day, Cheryl turns down a family trip to the beach to study. But she keeps thinking about Martin and she finds herself picking a tune on the piano. And it's it's the, it's the song by Eddie and his R&B <laughs> combo. Yeah, Eddie and his R&B combo really have the earworms, you know. That's, that's, that's what happens. Yeah, they really get in there. <laughs> but yeah, she kind of feels like it's traitorous of her to like be thinking so much about Martin and dancing with him at the beach disco. So she's kind of like, oh God, okay, stop that. Yeah. So she kind of grabs a history book and heads out to do some studying out, mm. uh, out the back. 
Yeah, so she's trying to study the, about the civil war, but then Stephen turns up and she's like, oh, for fuck's sake. But then she feels <laughs> guilty for feeling irritated. And he says he had a good time last night and she pretends like, oh, yes, me too. It was great dancing with you. And he's, he brushes her leg with his hand and she's like, um, <laughs> she ick, like yeah. massively. <laughs> I got the ick reading that, actually. But, um, <laughs> I got the ick hearing it. <laughs> We're all naked here. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> it's gross. So, so he says he'll miss her when he heads back to school. He's eventually going back after like a <laughs> two, I don't know how long he's been home. Um, so she's like, oh, I have to tell you something. And she's wishing that they just never kissed in the first place because if, if they hadn't, they'd just still be friends and it'd be great. Yeah. Um, but then Annie turns up before she can say anything and invites her to go dress shopping with her and Mona. And Cheryl kind of chickens out then. She's like, oh, it's fine. Uh, yes, I'll go. Uh, don't worry, Stephen. I just um, I just want to do... All I wanted to talk to you about was my toast. And he's like, well, I'll come over tomorrow, tonight mm. and we can work on it again. So we cut to downtown uh, Sweet Valley where Jessica and Liz are shopping for baking equipment at Creative Cook. Amazing. Not the bake shop. <laughs> no, fuck the bake shop, man. <laughs> it's Creative Cook all day long. <laughs> Well, Liz is amused by Jessica's frustration because Jessica's found out how hard it is to uh, make a wedding cake and says, how did you think you made a three-tiered wedding cake by piling three cupcakes on top of each other? Now, I got married in 2008 and we did a very 2008 thing for our wedding cake. We did have tiered, tiny, like we had three tiers of just different cupcakes and different flavours. Oh, nice. So it was like a, a tower of cupcakes, which was a very sort of 2000s thing, I feel. It so, was. Um, it? <laughs> that would have been easier. I think Jessica would have fucked that up too. Oh, probably, yeah. That's a lot of cupcakes to make. Mm. Uh, thank you, Fallon and Byrne in 2008 for making all oh, those nice. cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. But um, yes, she uh, Jessica wasn't about to admit she'd been hoping to come across a wedding cake mix. Maybe something you could put in the microwave. <laughs> Well, that was the thing, because back along, I think, when she was offered to make the cake and people were kind of saying that she's a terrible cook, I think it was Annie had kind of come to, def- to her defence and said that she made lovely brownies for some PBA thing before. And Jessica internally was like, yeah, that was a brownie mix, though. I just yeah. didn't want to say that. <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, this isn't really playing to her strengths, unfortunately. Well, then they bump into who, no one else, but... One Bruce one, oh, and God. he like, I can't believe, is. I can't believe I was happy to see him at first. Oh, <laughs> like, not for long. So Mm-mm. initially, it feels like we'll have a fun sort of hmm. Bruce and his most patronising moment. He's like stocking up in pots and pans. I'm truly delighted to discover this domestic tendency, especially in you, Jessica. She's like, would rather be domestic than qualify as a zoo animal like you, Bruce. So it turns out he's buying new tennis rackets uh, because his time is too valuable to wait for his uh, rackets to be restrung. He just buys some new ones. <laughs> And uh, mocking banter ensues. And then hmm. Bruce sees the book they bought, a recipe, like full of recipes for potential wedding cakes. And when he finds out why they have it, he just gets horribly racist. Oh, this is awful. Sad like, to see with one Bruce one. I know. I really hoped this was just going to be some fun banter and we'd move on. But unfortunately, uh, Bruce is also a massive fucking racist. Oh. Um, because, yeah, he's real snide about them making the cake for this wedding. And he's kind of saying that, yeah, these black-white liaisons certainly seem to be the latest thing. And Jessica's <laughs> like, are you trying to make a point, Bruce? Um so then he just kind of says, oh, you know, I saw your brother out with Cheryl last night. He must be very proud of the spectacle he's making of himself. 
Um, and like, he's gross. And the twins obviously aren't having it. They're like, as a matter of fact, we are proud of him. And Jess is like, you're just jealous because Cheryl wouldn't go out with you if you're the last man on earth. Um, mm. But Bruce, like, he's just grinning infuriatingly all the way through this and kind of just says, have fun baking your cake. Don't forget, at least half of it should be chocolate. And it's all very twisted and horrible. And he's awful. It was just a really fucking depressing yeah. Bruce Patman cameo. And I just... Oh. Did not want this. The last in the classic era, and we get mm. Bruce and Lila being a racist. Gross. It's just, just horrible to see. Yeah. So the trains are revolted as he struts off. And when they get back to the casa, Sam calls over. There's some flirty banter. There's cavorting. Again, enjoy it while you can, Jessica. <laughs> so uh, basically, they're going to make some sample cakes and Todd and Sam will judge. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, Cheryl and, Sam, and Stephen head to Guido's after a successful driving lesson and her head's still all over the place. And yeah. um, the waitress, when the wait, she's she's still feeling really self-conscious. And when the waitress says, apparently in a perfectly friendly way, or the hostess, sorry, hmm. uh, says table for two, um, Cheryl bristles and she clasps Stephen's hand firmly in her own. And they get a table next to the waterfall that's still no. there. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Just what you want when you're eating your pizza as an indoor water feature. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or someone could fall in as happens. And, well, if only one Bruce one could be pushed in in this book. Oh. So, uh, yeah, they settle down and they realise an elderly couple are just gawping at them at the next table. So, um, it's just like, poor Cheryl, like imagine coming from New York to this. <sighs> Yeah, and she tells a better speech, and basically her speech is like, "Marriage is a public statement," and oh, um, <laughs> and it's you know, this marriage is about showing the world that it's okay for two people to love one another, even though their skins are a different color. We should all love one another, and she was like, "We have a responsibility," and uh, it's really, you know, as she says herself, it's. It's very academic and mm. it's sort of clear she's talking about her and Stephen. It's basically yeah. about their relationship exists to prove racists wrong as opposed to like actual the personal isn't always political other. when it comes yes. to an actual marriage. Oh, yeah. Um, so Stephen consoles her by saying, just remember, words aren't the only way we communicate with the world. It's not what we say that matters, but what we do, how we live. <laughs> and Cheryl agrees and pushes thoughts of Martin from her mind and thinks she's not going to take the easy way out by going out with him. By doing what she actually wants and what would actually make her happy. Mm. Going out with the hot jazz player instead of the stalky Lego man. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a tough choice. <laughs> well, we cut to Sweet Valley High where, where Cheryl uh, bumps in, I guess it's the next day, to Lila and Jessica in the lunch line. And I like that Like she does not give a shit about what like you know she doesn't mm. care about pleasing the racists in this school mm-hmm. at all like um she's unfazed by lila uh she flatly says hi lila and um cheryl or lila says in a too polite tone did you have a good time at the beach disco on saturday night you were certainly dancing up a storm and um cheryl shuts her up by saying you know what they say about my people she says dryly We've got rhythm and just turns away and walks off mm. as well. She might. Yeah, like absolutely fuck her because Jesus, Lila is just making an absolute show of herself in this book. Yeah, And she's shameless. Mm. So Jessica tries to um, 
you know, tries to make conversation in the hopes that Cheryl won't associate her with Lila's rudeness and like, you know, say something to Lila in front of Cheryl then. Mm. Yeah, Jessica. But um, Cheryl joins her new pals and Jessica's tempted to join them, but instead she has a word with Lila. So at least she does say something to her. Like she does say, look, you should be nicer to her. And um, she act- then she says, she th- um, she says, you don't really care who my brother goes out with. You're just negative about all couples these these days. And you feel like you have to stick to your original opinion about interracial ones. So does that mean your original opinion was like, racist? I presume that's yeah. what she's saying. It pretty much is like, yeah, because they, they are kind of trying to play it that Lila thinks it's unfashionable when it's like, no, she's yeah. being racist. Like, that's what she's actually doing mm. here. Um, but that's kind of the the angle they're kind of taking with her, which is just kind of weird. Yeah. But like, yeah, Lila just doesn't want to hear it and is just being very cold with Jess. And like Jessica's like, look, intolerance just isn't it, Lila. Let's ask Liz, <laughs> she'll tell you. And it's like, this isn't about trends and fashions. Yes. It's about being a decent fucking human being. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God. It's, uh, it's, and it's, it's true though, apparently it isn't in because they watch <laughs> as Maria and Sandy and uh, Jean all join uh, Cheryl, who's sitting with Liz and Enid. And even Amy <laughs> so, sort of turns her back on L- Jessica and Lila and joins them. Lila is horrified. And uh, Jessica says, Sweet Valley High has gotten used to the idea of an interracial <laughs> romance. It's totally uncool to be a holdout on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Lila's like, oh, do you really think the final verdict is in? <laughs> it's like, okay, Lady Danbury. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she wishes. Oh, indeed. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, definitely not the oh, on screen, Lady Danbury. No, 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 definitely she wouldn't not. approve of that. No, for um, whatever Christine Baranski's name is in, uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in the Gilded Age. age. The Gilded Age. <laughs> Well, yes, she says that, uh, Lila says, it's one thing for everybody to be nice to Cheryl at school when Stephen's not around. But what about the rest of the time? Uh, what about after school, the weekends, real life? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see people beating Cheryl's door down, inviting her and Stephen to parties and stuff like that. And Jessica's like, there weren't any parties this weekend. They've been only going out for a week. But then Lila has a has some news. Yeah, apparently. Oh. Andrea Slade, remember her? Huh? <laughs> Enid's new best friend you might remember when she came to town and like Enid was all like this is this terrific girl Andrea Slade and she was going over to her house to do homework all the time (laughs) Um, yes well uh, daughter of famed rock star Jamie Peters uh, Andrea Slade is apparently planning a big party at her house that Saturday night uh, so Lila is making this huge big deal out of it. This is going to be the biggest party she's given since she's moved to Sweet Valley with her dad. Uh, they give a little recap of Rockstar's girl about how they all thought that she was his daughter at first. Or his girlfriend. Uh, and then or his girlfriend, girl. sorry, but then turned out to be his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Just, oh God. <laughs> but yeah, Lila is kind of making the point that this is going to be a very exclusive party. One of the coolest people are going to be there. So if you don't get an invitation to this party, you're nobody, which again is the whole fucking Gilded Age nonsense of of this town and the way the teams it's operate so because again ridiculous. the stakes are will they get invited to a party <laughs> and it's also completely out of character for Andrea like mm. even Jessica says Andrea's nice she's rich but she's not a sh- snob like you yeah. she's uh, she's not the prejudiced type and Lila's like I'm not prejudiced I'm just realistic but then she has some more fuck news which I absolutely do not buy this does not go with anything we saw of Andrea <clears throat> in that book where people were you know she was 
she saw through dickheads, basically. Oh, oh completely. Yeah. So, yeah, this is it. The news at first is great because it's like rumor has it Andrea and Nicholas Morrow broke up. So I was like, hooray. <laughs> then it's like, apparently oh, she's no. gone. But then, yeah, then the kicker is that apparently Andrea has developed a crush on dear old Bruce of all people. And Jessica's just like, oh, God, how can she like him? But um, Lila points out Bruce can be awfully charming when he wants to be, which is true. But like, it doesn't make sense because, as you say, Andrea could see, see through people straight away, like when they were trying to just butter her up and be fake with her when she moved there first. And just like her being with Bruce makes no sense at all. Oh, absolutely none. And uh, yeah, apparently he'll help her draw up the guest list. It'll be very exclusive. And uh, mm. Jessica's worried because no doubt about it in Sweet Valley High society. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Perfectly normal. Go on. In Sweet Valley High Society, much like Regency London or Gilded Age New York, being <laughs> invited to a party could make a reputation or break it. Would Cheryl and Stephen and their brave new love make the final cut? I do enjoy how that sentence nearly works as like the end of a blurb for the back of a book. <laughs> yes. If that was the whole storyline, was like, will they get invited to the party? <laughs> It would. Be, I mean, they've had books that were based on this, to be honest. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, on Friday night, uh, I guess it's the day before this party, Cheryl and Stephen go to an outdoor classical concert at the town bandstand with Annie and Tony. And the latter are all romantic and cosy, which forces Cheryl to confront the fact that she and Steve are not. And mm. also, she and Steve, or Stephen doesn't like classical music and Cheryl does. And he's like, I would fall asleep during this music that you love, which is a bit rude. <laughs> yeah. And um, she feels like they're not acting like a real couple. And she thinks of Martin because another boy pops into her head. A boy who loved all kinds of music. Classical, jazz, blues. Mm. And um, the girls go to the concession stand and Annie gushes about what a great sisterly thing it is to do. Double <laughs> dating. Is it like I've got three sisters? And, <laughs> like I go to my third, you know, we go out for dinner and stuff with our partners, but it's not double dating when you're like pushing fifty and living <laughs> together for like twenty years. It's just hanging out with people, really, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> So uh, anyway, Annie's delighted and says, you know, this is and, um, mm. and she's uh, she's she's so happy to be back with Tony. And her certainty reminds Cheryl of you know, how different it is for her and Stephen. And um, and she thinks like we can't, you know, what's their relationship going to be like? Like there's no chemistry. And, they, <laughs> and she thinks we can't count on getting invited to many parties because she's heard about this big bash. Yeah, she kind of thinks bitterly about the invitation she hasn't received from Andrea Slade. She's really holding out on her here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's just kind of like, this is what it's going to be like from now on. Stephen's going to drive down to Sweet Valley or else she'd visit him at college. Yeah, unlikely he'll just be around the whole time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is what couples did. And she kind of starts to feel a bit trapped and smothered by this whole thing. Oh. Um, she's just kind of stuck in this relationship now just because she wants to prove this point And now there isn't really any getting out of it. And I suppose she kind of just sees like the next couple of years just folding out in front of her. And she's just like, oh, God. But Ugh. then kind of feels guilty about feeling that way. Remembers that Stephen was so nice to her. <sighs> she moved to Sweet Valley and how strong he had been the night of the Crooked Canyon Cafe. God, I hope that cafe just falls into that stupid canyon. Me too. Um, so we should go around with some 
can of petrol and a lighter. <laughs> yeah, torch the fucking place. Um, but yeah, she kind of feels like she can really count on Stephen because he, he is a good friend. I mean, oh, he shouldn't be friends with a high school girl, but look, they are friends. Yeah. <laughs> or were to begin with at least, but she always felt like she could count on him. And then kind mm-hmm. of thinks to herself, no, I'm not trapped. I'm free. Dating Stephen made her free. It made them both free. Didn't <laughs> it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Clearly, you're both fucking miserable. Tragically not. You both hate this. <laughs> so the next day, they have another driving lesson. But Stephen can tell something's up with Cheryl. And when they get back to the Castell Wakefield, they check on the twins baking. And there was a long, boring scene involving the twins uh, allegedly being cute with their boyfriends, which actually <laughs> irritates Stephen realistically because it reminds him of the lack of chemistry with Cheryl. Um, and he admits to himself, basically, he never has the urge to make a pass at her. That's what they say, which means like there's there's nothing physical happening. There truly isn't. Like literally they had one good kiss because tensions were running high, emotions were running high. Hmm. It was a weird night. And now it's so clear that they do not fancy each other, but oh. they just can't seem to come to this realisation. And it's really annoying. Oh, so, and, and also, every so often they do realise it, but they're just like, well, we must plow on for the good That's of humanity. It. But they never say any of this to each other oh, at any stage. So and it's just, because they just keep having the same like interior monologues over and over again so you kind of get Cheryl's version and then Stephen's version where you're basically just swapping pronouns around and it's like oh my god can we please stop reading the same paragraph over and over (laughs) well finally we learn that the twins have made two cakes but it turns out they try the cakes and it uh, turns out that Jessica's orange icing tastes and I do love an orange icing but this tastes horrible because instead of Mm. grating orange peel in she just uh, peeled the entire orange and put it through the food processor (laughs) so it's disgusting Uh, for Mona and Walter don't deserve this but again they could have organised the wedding cakes so um, the yet again Stephen feels awkward and the truth hits him he'd been he never felt because he thinks he never felt awkward around you know the girls and their boyfriends when he was with Cara mm. but she thinks he'd been in love with Cara deeply in love <laughs> and um, he wonders why his feelings for Cheryl aren't anywhere near the same uh, intensity and then the twins bring up Andrea's party, which is that very night, I guess. And Stephen knows, notices Cheryl tense and is like, okay, well, clearly didn't get invited to that. Uh, another racist to add to the list. But then uh, there's some news. Yeah, Jessica kind of has a sudden realisation and says that she can't believe she forgot. She was so spaced out over all this cake making. Uh, she reveals that Andrea actually rang the house that afternoon. She was frantic because she hadn't been able to get through to her and Annie because she'd been ringing the Whitman's old phone number. So she's got Jessica to promise to extend a special invitation to you and Stephen on her behalf. So Cheryl and Stephen are invited to the party. They've made it in society. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> They'll be the belle of the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, she's, Jessica's like yeah, aren't you psyched and Cheryl dryly says you mean because it looks like we're about to receive the Sweet Valley High seal of approval <laughs> and Jessica's clearly puzzled we're told is like well sure yeah so, uh, <laughs> Stephen, works. <laughs> so Stephen says well I'm up for, for you if you are and Cheryl shrugs it's so romantic Oh god It's funny though Because she's like She was annoyed That she wasn't invited But now that she is She's kind of like oh, Fuck now I have to go To this stupid thing With Stephen <laughs> <laughs> So sadly We don't get to see The party directly We just cut to the no. next day uh, In the Wakefield um, kit- uh, The Spanish Child's Kitchen mm-hmm. um, Where we learned It was a huge success Cheryl had a go Of Jamie's piano They made dance videos And showed them On a big screen And Cheryl and Stephen Was the best They were the hit Of the whole party even Lila admits it. Stephen Whiteley says, wow. "Do you think I care?" They, what Lila inv- found they invented uh, TikTok um, at this party. <laughs> 
sounds like. Oh my god, they did! <laughs> <laughs> TikTok invented in 1993 by the denizens of Sweet Valley. <laughs> and I mean, they, I mean, you can see them all being incredibly annoying on TikTok. Aren't you? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Jessica's delighted it worked out. Says uh, people are seeing the light. It was touch and go there for a while. You hung in there, and it was worth it. Oh boy. Um and. Uh, the Alice is like, well, I'm glad you know this is working out for you. And Jessica says, oh, you should see them together. They're crazy about each other. It's a very odd thing to say to your mother about your brother. But anyway. Um, <laughs> they are dying to bone each other, ma'am. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, she's, uh, Jessica's like, right, Liz? And Liz is like, eh, maybe. Um, and uh, Jessica's like, you know, you don't, mom and dad, you don't really know, Cheryl. You should invite her around to the house. Like, we should all go out for dinner tonight. And um, Dad and Alice are like, yeah, sure, okay. Um, so before, basically, before Stephen could barely say a word, it turns out the whole family are going to Villa Marino. Mm. Um. So uh, yeah, Liz is like, this is like, maybe they don't want such a fuss. Like, this is a really fancy restaurant. And she says, Do you want Cheryl to, to think that they're like the parents in that old movie? Guess who's coming to dinner? And this is like, uh, no. And um, Jessica's like, shut up. Literally <laughs> um, um, says, shut up. <laughs> so um, Ned says, Villa Marino it is. So there's someone who lives in Marino in Dublin, I feel. <laughs> feel seen. Wow, nice. Representation. Love it. <laughs> well, they all head to dinner and it goes well. Um you know, everybody gets on, uh, but when Stephen looks at Cheryl's velvety brown eyes, he sees another velvety brown eyed girl. <laughs> God, he sees Kara's face. Um, so he kind of realises now that Cheryl's officially his girlfriend. She had taken Kara's place in his life and his entire family seemed to take that for granted. How did it happen so fast? Stephen wondered. Because <laughs> I suppose, yeah, one minute they were good friends. Next thing they were dating and they're Sweet Valley's hottest item. Uh, so suddenly he's kind of thinking now about, uh, you know, how, how things are going to unfold now. And he's like, you know, one thing just led to another and another and another. And then he suddenly thought about where dating had almost led him and Karen <gasps> not that long ago to the altar. And it's like <gasps> a cold fist closed around his face, <laughs> choking him. It's like, wow, kind of an extreme reaction. OK, but uh, yeah, clearly this is not the relationship for either of you. <laughs> Every time either uh, of them think of their future, they get like, they feel trapped or panicked or like smothered and are about they're literally about to have a panic attack if they think about it too much so it's like that's a pretty clear sign that uh, you guys need to break up pronto and yet again we're told he has to face the truth he just doesn't fancy her and he wishes they'd never kissed this is exactly what Cheryl thought and what Mm -hmm. he has thought earlier yeah and um, but then he he wonders like is he just you know if he just kissed her because of the situation is he like dehumanizing Cheryl like is he even seeing her as a person is he just seeing her you know as a symbol of like you know racist abuse Mm. is he a racist and um he feels that all the good things like his family um and Cheryl's beauty are like a slap in the face remorse and guilt stole away Stephen's appetite the crust of Italian bread (laughs) slipped from his fingers no not the Italian bread (laughs) (laughs) what will he do now break up with her that's what oh won't wish (sighs) god (laughs) got more to go listeners not too much longer thank fuck (laughs) So it's a few days later and Stephen is still in a whirl. Oh, what'll he do? Will he break up with her? But it's nearly the wedding. And, you know, 
the case was a reaction to the awfulness that, of that day. It wasn't romance. So he turns up at the house and he's about to talk to her again. But then Jessica comes in to talk about cakes. And then when she goes, anyone's talk about bridesmaids dresses they've got to go to the shop and um, so Cheryl says look come over for dinner later and he's relieved to dodge the bullet but he feels more stressed like we have had this scene I'm just skimming through it because we've had this scene about three times already mm, fair yeah absolutely so uh, Rosa joins the girls as they try on bridesmaids dresses and Cheryl looks gorgeous and the others tell her so but she just doesn't feel gorgeous she feels like she's a coward because she's just leading Stephen <laughs> on and Rosa notices her anxiety and she's like, um, you know, oh, I just want everything to be perfect on Sunday. And um, Cheryl, Rosa's like, well, you know, the important thing is, is that is, is fine. And hmm. Cheryl's like, what's that? And she's thinking like, is it the toast? Is it me and Stephen? But of course, <laughs> it's just Mona and Walter's love for each other. Oh, so later Stephen finds Liz in the kitchen because Jessica skived off and uh, she's got quite a reason. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, what was it? Yeah, because Stephen kind of wanders in. He's like, "Oh, she traded her apron for a bikini, huh?" Uh, because uh, she had to go outside because showing up at the wedding with a good tan is just as important as showing up with a good cake. And I'm certain that Mona and Walter <laughs> would agree with that sentiment. <laughs> well, so you know what? As long as Jessica Wakefield looks amazing at her wedding, the cake doesn't even matter. <laughs> I mean, if the staff of Fallon and Byrne had said to me on that day in 2008, like, "Sorry, we didn't get the cake done, but look at our bronzed features. <laughs> look how." Good Good we look though. Isn't that much better than a cake? <laughs> look at our hats and faces and tanned bodies. <laughs> Check out my hot brother. <laughs> Aren't you happy he's here? <laughs> it's like you were there, Karen. That's exactly yeah. what I, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that probably that's an acceptable excuse and uh, liz takes the opportunity of being alone with steven to do some meddling which is of well, course her favorite thing of course it is <laughs> she loves it oh god um yeah she kind of mentions that uh jessica had said that he had come down from college uh, to see cheryl and she's mm. kind of like she didn't want to be nosy but she couldn't oh, stop wondering oh, oh. Why. if that was the case why was her brother hanging out alone at home so oh, steven reveals that 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 was basically the reason, but that Cheryl had to go uh, to the bridal shop with Annie. So they kind of talk about the wedding for a bit and Liz kind of doesn't want to push Stephen, but she has a feeling like the relationship isn't working out like he'd hoped. Yes. But he, has, but he also hasn't said anything about it. Maybe he doesn't want to talk about it. So she's like, she kind of kind of approaches it from a kind of a roundabout way. And she's like, oh, oh no, the wedding is a very... Does. It was a very emotional event. You know, everybody's happy, but things can also be tense. And, you know, I bet people are stressed, but Cheryl's too sensible to get stressed, I'd say. But Stephen does kind of admit that she is a bit stressed. And he's like, I'm a bit stressed. And Liz is like, oh, you've both been under a lot of pressure. It's not easy being pioneers. Oh, oh my God. God. Uh, <laughs> and um, Stephen's like you don't know the half of it and then he tells her about the racists uh, in the canyon um, mm. canteen or whatever it was called and how shocked he was and very soon he says Look, maybe we've lived sheltered lives you certainly mm. have um, you me and Jess maybe we were incredibly lucky to be raised by such talented loving parents I can't tell you how much that scene got to me um, so and yeah, I mean, that's a fair enough thing to acknowledge. Like, at least he is saying, like, more of us who have lived fairly sheltered lives should that he, like, he didn't, his eyes have been opened, basically, yeah. and he, he doesn't get this. And he is, you know, um, 
he can't pretend that he he did get it. But now mm. it's, it's just really stuck in his head. Yeah. And Liz does say, look, do you love Cheryl, though? Yes, you kissed in these circumstances, but do you love her? Like, and um, so she 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 thinks this. She doesn't say oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. She's trying to she knows he gets a bit defensive, I suppose, if anyone kind of questions the relationship. So she's trying to trying to pussyfoot around it a bit. Uh, yeah, so she th- she just says, "You listen to you'll do what's right if you listen if you trust your own good judgment and listen to your heart." But Stephen mm-hmm. says his heart's been speaking about a foreign language, and uh, Liz says, "Doesn't Cheryl have a flair for languages? Maybe she'll help you with the translation." So we have yet another stupid scene with Cheryl and Stephen <laughs> not telling each other. He's making pizza with her and she asks why he came down to Sweet Valley today. And he's like, I'm just going to say I like being with you. Oh I don't want God. anyone else by your side. She's like, yes, I do. <laughs> why are you both saying all these things? Stop it, please. <laughs> so Cheryl returns to her toast and he asks how she feels about the marriage. And yet again, it's more like an essay than mm. toast. It's all about yeah. like, they must have wanted to call it off. Love Love isn't easy. They stuck it out. They're proof that interracial romance could work. They're rising above prejudice. And oh God. They show us all how to be better people. And she realises, like, where's the joy, the celebration? Cheryl cried. Why can't I get at it? Why doesn't it come through all right? And she just despairs. Oh, so the next day, Cheryl is writing uh, down the place names, you know, the play, the cards, little cards. Mm. And uh, she realizes when she writes Stephen's name, she gets a little thrill from writing those sacred words. And she has a nice <laughs> little chat with Mona. But then she gets a shock when she tells Mona how great she she thinks it is that, you know, the, the two of them are uh, braving the disapproval of the world. <laughs> Because that's not yeah. how Mona sees things. Not at all. Like, she's very puzzled by this uh, from Cheryl. And she's kind of, like, she asks what she means. And Cheryl's like, you know, dating and now marrying my dad. I think it's great that you two don't care what people think. And you decided to show everyone. I'm proud of you for proving that, you know, there shouldn't be a barrier between the races. And Mona's like, we're not out to prove a point. Like, where did you get an idea like that? And like, very reasonably points out this marriage is about love. Like any other marriage, it's not about showing anything to anyone. And Cheryl kind of, persist with this and she's like you mean it's about love between blacks and whites between a black man and a white woman and Mona's like no it's because we're in love with each other and we love each other because of who the other person is and it's nothing to do with the color of anybody's skin um so she kind of says look any more than it has to do with how much money he makes or how tall he is anything superficial like that and then Cheryl kind of takes that the wrong way and says oh you're saying I'm superficial but Mona's like no I wasn't talking about you I thought we were talking about me um she kind of says, you know, it would be wrong to marry or even date someone just to make a statement, even a positive statement. She's like, it shouldn't be about what Stephen Wakefield represents. It should be about who he is. And like, it's all again, well, very reasonable from a Sweet Valley parent, which is unusual. Mm, true. Though when she said it should be about who Sweet Valley uh, or it should be about who Stephen Wakefield is, my notes did say a creep who goes out with high school. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, she's <laughs> the principle is correct. However, yes. the fact that it's Stephen Wakefield is... is <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but Cheryl's shocked by all this because she really didn't expect this from Mona and Mona just gives her sort of a they have a moment of silence and mm. then Mona just sort of kisses the top of her head and leaves mm-hmm. and Cheryl just feels freaked out it's like this is she's been sort of basing her whole you know other justification for staying with Stephen has been sort of based on the idea that making a statement with your relationship is you know is more important yeah. than whether the relationship makes you happy yeah 
Um, so she she thinks that she and Stephen had come together briefly for the right reason, but they had stayed together for the wrong one. Oh my goodness. So meanwhile, the twins are making a cake. Jessica fantasizes about a huge wedding and uh, she wants it to be a, a big band they could dance all night and the lucky groom would be Sam. Oh, <laughs> poor she old also, Sam. She also has incredible fashion dreams, which you will describe at the end. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica asks if she might marry Todd and Liz blushes yet again. Oh, God. Yeah, she uh, she says that, you know, if uh, I was going to get married and if I were marrying Todd, we'd have a small wedding. Jessica's like, boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yes, Liz reveals that she'd have Enid and Penny and Olivia as her bridesmaids. Oh, yeah, Jess would be her maid of honour. And they'd all wear long pink dresses. And Jess is like, no, blue dresses. It's a much better colour on me. (laughs) Um, But then Liz says that she would wear her mother's wedding dress. We're the same size. It should fit. You know what? Could pass with her sister. (laughs) (laughs) and then jessica starts to cry you'd be such a beautiful bride oh Oh, jess also then they say that they start wondering who todd's best man will be because of course oh you know you'll only have your uh it won't be anybody you might know in the future Mm-mm. That has to be said. One of my bridesmaids was one of my best friends from school, and the other was a friend oh. from college. So, uh, it's, uh, maybe, maybe that's that's realistic enough. But they do say his dad could be his best man. I'd never heard of that. No, I mean, doesn't Todd have a brother? Like he has a younger brother, doesn't he? <gasps> oh my god! What happened to him? He's been twin next. I think everyone's forgotten about him, including Mr. and Mrs. Wilkins. <laughs> they left him in Vermont. They left him in Vermont. You stay there, Bobby. <laughs> Keep skiing. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, we'll meet you on the slopes. Bye. <laughs> and they just ski away. <laughs> skiing off into the distance all the way to California. <laughs> well, they assumed that Stephen would be another... Um, uh, part of the wedding party along with Ken, Aaron and Winston and uh, Jessica hopes that if Stephen ever gets married they hope they, he won't just have run across the state line to Nevada <laughs> and then Jessica wonders if he might marry Cheryl one day but Jessica, Liz does not think he will mm. and Jessica says she won't get married for at least five years which would make her 21 but actually quite a sweet body university tracks, yeah she's 18 well there you go she's ahead of time <laughs> so next door, thoughtful Cheryl gazes out the window. She sees Annie and Tony get all romantic, and yet again, she's like, <laughs> Me and Stephen should just be friends. Um, finally, her head is clear and she starts to write her toast. Uh-huh. So the next day, she and Annie and Mona go all get ready. This goes on for pages and pages, by the way. Um, Cheryl offers Mona her mother's hanky as her something borrowed and blue because her mother's initial was M. Uh, I think that's a bit odd. To give you something from your new husband's dead wife. <laughs> well, I suppose it's it's meaningful to Cheryl, so I can kind of see some of the logic, I guess. It's but yeah, quite passive aggressive to me. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But I know it isn't meant to yeah. be. But Mona's just like, no, no, you keep that. I'll just borrow it for the wedding because yeah. it'll be borrowed in blue. I don't want this fucking handkerchief. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the whole thing is lovely. The guests are milling about the lawn. The twins are very fancy and their mm. sickening boyfriends are fawning all over them. The ceremony is romantic. Liz wonders, will that be her and Todd someday? It just goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and Cheryl look, catches Stephen's eye and gives him a happy smile. And he, he smiles back, but he tries to ignore the hollow feeling in his heart. And when she goes to get the photos taken, he he feels all detached from the scene, not too detached to eat some frankly disgusting sounding food. Oh, what does he eat there? He eats a hot shrimp and artichoke square. Oh, Jesus, yes. Oh, God, I must have fucking erased it from my memory. (laughs) As soon as I read those words, I was just like, nope, not retaining that. Disgusting. Mm. <laughs> Sitting outside in the sun, the hot Ooh. shrimp at Archbishop Square, the California outdoor wedding. <laughs> so uh, eventually he finds Cheryl and they hug and they end up, you know, they're at the table together and uh, they're, I guess they're at the, the head table. Mm. And the best man, Walter's friend, gives a speech. Um, it's really sweet. And he also gives a sweet speech. And finally, Cheryl uh, stands up and she gets romantic. She does. And I suppose Stephen kind of is waiting to hear what the, the speech is. But as soon as Cheryl starts talking, he realises that she's completely rewritten or thrown out whatever they had worked on together. All that dry fucking <laughs> academic fucking no crack stuff from earlier. Um, so, yeah, she kind of talks about, you know, something precious and wonderful has brought us all together today. Love. And Stephen's like, yeah, this is definitely what we worked on. <laughs> definitely not what we worked on. Um, so she gives it's a really nice speech about, you know, uh, her dad and Mona finding each other in this big, scary world. And Mona makes her dad's life complete. He does the same for her. I can't imagine them without each other. And I guess that's what marriage is all about. Um, and oh. I think Mona is kind of brought to tears by this. And she says, you know, she feels incredibly lucky. She's going to have this example of a deep, true love right before her every day. Um, and then it's like suddenly Stephen understood Cheryl's toast addressed her parents and their new marriage but through it she was also speaking to him <laughs> so, <laughs> more of the psychic like, messages this is it like she's again they don't actually have this conversation but it's all it's understood that this is what she means and it's like no talk about it but um, yeah he, he realises that what she's really saying is that all the racial stuff they were getting at was totally off base real love doesn't have anything to do with political ideas or public stances it has to be private and freely reached otherwise it isn't actually love at all so Cheryl's speech was actually quite you know heartfelt and more about romance and love obviously would be more appropriate for a wedding Uh, and everybody loves it and they all cheers and uh, when she sits down he puts out a hand and touches her shoulder lightly and for a long moment they gaze into each other's eyes and then apparently it all is done unspoken that uh, (laughs) that neither of them need to say anything (laughs) they can just read it in each other's eyes this is so fucking stupid Uh, and like Cheryl smiles Stephen wraps his arms around her and says you're a great friend <laughs> she's like you too like oh for fuck's sake this is the resolution are you joking me <laughs> after all they're like I must speak to him no I can't or I must oh. speak to her no I can't but they don't even speak they don't even do the fucking thing oh Jesus <laughs> so uh, yeah the best man's wife uh, jokes when are you two lovebirds getting married and Cheryl um and Stephen, they have their arm around each other and they say, and Stephen says, in spite of the fact we make a very attractive couple, we're just friends. And Cheryl says, the best of friends. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so we cut to Sunday morning and Jessica and Lila are playing tennis at the country club. Um, and Lila's baffled to hear that uh, Stephen and Cheryl are no more. And Jessica wonders if they were just trying to prove a point. 
to the racists of Sweet Valley. Um, and because uh, she thinks that it's only stick in the muds like you and Bruce Patman who make judgments according to a bigger house someone lives in or which club they belong to or the colour of their skin or what have you. I mean, I want to quash you know ra- like yeah racist prejudice with judging people's house size <laughs> um so uh yeah they then sort of try to present lila as being more cynical than racist mm. it's like every other dumb couple ends up at the box but i don't think that's very convincing too no. little too late yeah very much um and yes though so jessica says uh she is going to uh basically beat Je- Lila Tennis and that's it for them for this book. Yeah, it's like they just kind of threw this scene in just to be like, oh yeah, but Lila isn't really being racist. Yes. Like, no, but she really fucking was, lad. So mm. there isn't really any saving that from this book, I don't think. No. So the next day, Cheryl arrives up at Sweet Valley University. She's passed her driving test. That was quick. He's mm. delighted for her and offers to treat her, treat her to a soda. They're totally at ease with each other. Like they literally have their arms around each other's shoulders and they each admit they wanted to break up, but they chickened out because they didn't want to concede to racists. And, yeah. um, and I see there's quite a nice moment where Stephen uh, says, should I apologize for kissing you that night at the beach? And she says, nah, it was a great kiss, which uh, I kind of like. That was cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they they don't regret that. They just they just acknowledge it wasn't a healthy basis for a relationship, and their mistake was staying together in order to prove a point. Um, and uh, then she jokes, "It's pretty that uh, they're not still going out because her Walter and Mona are off on their honeymoon, so they've got a free gaff." <laughs> but uh, there won't be any cavorting in it, well, at least not with uh, Cheryl and Stephen. No. <laughs> and Stephen's pals call them over to play football. Their team is meant to be playing a match. So they have a nice farewell. They vow to see each, you know, keep seeing each other. Mm. And uh, he goes off. She strolls back to her car, happy to have a weekend to herself after all. And then she bumps into somebody. <gasps> Why, it's Martin. Lovely, handsome Martin. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he greets her and says, you know, nice to see you. What's new? And she's like, oh, I got my driver's license. So he asks if she's sticking around for a bit. She's like, no, I have homework and Stephen probably does too. And he's like, oh, what a studious couple. So she's like, oh, now's as good a time as any to get the message across. So she kind of reveals to him that, look, we're not actually a couple. We're just really good friends. Uh, so Martin kind of raises an eyebrow, but doesn't ask any questions. So he's like, OK, well, I'll see you around. So Cheryl kind of walks on, feeling tiny, tiny feeling of disappointment mm-hmm. but then suddenly there's a hand on her arm uh, and Martin has obviously kind of run after her and said look would it be alright if I called you sometime and Cheryl's like I'd like that I'd like that a lot and that's it for normal Sweet Valley High fucking hell that's, that's it <laughs> that is it I would say read us out but there is no set up for a next book there's no reference to any there... jungle proms but no, there there's... is a weird outro that is uh that's more like a a a sort of just a trailer kind of yeah and it's funny because like i know they've done very little setup sometimes before for books but like there's always something thrown in some line about ahead of time but like this is very much like out of nowhere oh my (laughs) god like like after that with cheryl and mark it's like ah lovely okay next thing after the next Sweet Valley High prompt. What do you mean the next one? When did we have one? Uh, and this is just the outro. Like, this is not the text of the book. No. This is just... It's like, yeah, after the next Sweet Valley High prom, life will never be the same. <gasps> Very strange. Uh, Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield have been planning a jungle theme prom for weeks. What? With weeks? <laughs> 
But what should be a night of romance and fun turns into a tragic nightmare. <gasps> Experience, love, death, loyalty, <gasps> and betrayal <gasps> in one horrifying tale. Starting, so it's several horrifying tales, mm-hmm. starting with Sweet Valley High's newest prom thriller, and night to remember. Uh, and then it kind of lists on like following this chilling six book mini series. And it's like the morning after, the arrest, the verdict, the wedding, beware the babysitter. And the final terrifying conclusion in Sweet Valley High number 100. And then it's like dot, dot, dot. And it's fucking Lizzie hanging. <laughs> but we know, listeners, we know it is oh, the evil twin. She's fucking coming, lads. <laughs> she is on her way. It's happening. <laughs> or at least she's been activated. I don't know if she's actually yeah. on her cross-country killing spree. Yes. Sleeper cell has been activated. <laughs> so that was it. It really is the end of an era. I feel quite oh, emotional. God. I know. It's mad. Uh, oh, however, before we get into any uh, listener feedback, we totally forgot to do our ad. So we've oh. got to do that now at this very late hour. <laughs> Good Lord. Yes. Because, of course, we are members of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And, you know, we always like to share another show on the network and we're um we're we're sharing a, a podcast on a topic very close to my heart um the uh, it's about the weird and wonderful world of folklore um with the fireside the irish storytelling podcast Yes, so Kevin, who's your fireside bard, will take a story from folklore or mythology, give it a fresh retelling and discuss the story itself and the craft, culture and history of storytelling. So whether you're a folklore fanatic, someone who just enjoys hearing a good yarn, you can always join Kevin by the fireside. Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week you'll hear tales of mythic Irish gods, Arthurian knights or Norse Vikings. There is folklore from Ireland and around the world, and even historical legends like Brian Baru and Gráinne Whale. Whether from poetry or prose, lyric or legend, if there is a good story at the heart of it, you'll find it here. I'm Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and fireside bard. With over 150 episodes and rising, there has never been a better time to join us by the fireside. And now, back to Sweet Valley, where we want to hear from you. Um, is this a, a depressingly accurate reflection of, of what an, how an interracial romance would be viewed in a majority white high school in the early mid-90s? Um, were Stephen and uh, Cheryl is, is, is communicating through psychic powers a thing? <laughs> no. no, it's not. They're not even twins. Come on. <laughs> Um, but uh, actually, before we go, uh, we we share some of your thoughts on the last episode. We have we have some stats and outfits. Now this won't be the last time. It was our last reading it out, but this won't be our last stats and outfits because they will continue to shine oh in the goodness. future. Of course, yes. Yeah. Speaking of shining, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the the blondness got three mentions. Okay. Uh, the blue green eyes got one mention. <laughs> Uh, that was the opening and, page, I recall. Or the opening uh, it, it was. We were straight in with the uh, with the twin description early mm-hmm. on. But however, at the end of our last episode, we did get a comment uh, from C Engel fifty seven on Instagram who wanted running totals, seeing as it's now been five years and one week uh, of double love. Uh, and I think Pippi and Shirley mentioned uh, that she hoped there was a spreadsheet. Now there uh-huh. wasn't when she wrote that comment. <gasps> however. <laughs> I ridiculously went back and made one. (laughs) 
So oh I my have, god! I now have a running total of blondness and blue green eyes from all of our episodes <gasps> so far. So that's all of our regular books. It's oh our six super editions, the seasonal ones, and three <gasps> super thrillers. So, <laughs> would you like to hear how many mentions of blondness and blue green eyes we have had in five years? And oh my god! <laughs> one yes, week of this ridiculous podcast. Okay, I hundred percent do. Please share. <laughs> So, the blandness overall <laughs> since 2017 has had 393 mentions. Oh my god. <laughs> that is a lot of blandness. It is. We are drowning in blandness. Uh, the Blue Green Eyes have had 355 mentions. Like, <gasps> it's so much of each. I, like, I d- how many is that per eye, I wonder? Per, per eyeball. <laughs> uh, so then like our, our top mention of the blondness was in Rags to Riches, Ooh. where it got 12 mentions. Oh my God. Like, those are short books, you guys. <laughs> and 12 mentions of someone's hair colour is simply ridiculous. Fucking hell. And then the blue-green eyes, it's actually a three-way tie because <gasps> what? Uh, Perfect Summer... Uh, bitter rivals and love letters all gave the blue green eyes a ridiculous ten mentions each. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? You <laughs> know, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And then we had two, uh, two that really let us down because both Boy Trouble and Who's to Blame gave us no mentions of blue green eyes at all, which what? makes you wonder: Are they even fucking canon at that rate of going? Because what is the point? I'm shocked. Yeah, we had two with no mentions of blue green eyes. And it was funny because for some of these episodes, I had to go back and just re-listen to the very end because I didn't oh, always have my notes or anything. And it's like, for both of those, I did actually listen to your horrified reaction each time. <laughs> it's pretty much exactly like you just were there. <laughs> Sorry, which books were they again? So Boy Trouble was the one that was about Patty and her boyfriend in college, I think. Oh, uh, yes. And then Who's to Blame was part of that kind of like three book are the Wakefield parents splitting up thing mm. where Jessica was going to run away, I think. So I guess her blue-green eyes were sparkling with tears quite a lot in that book. And that's oh, why that happened. Good point. <laughs> or didn't happen, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so two two and zero, but like to be fair, <coughs> it's a pretty good spread other than that. So Okay. Wow. That is amazing. That the crack there. Yeah, oh. so <laughs> it's worthwhile, Bra- I think. Hello. Bravo. Bravo. That is astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, yes, this is how it's been my time now. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to the outfits, which were literally the only other good thing about this stupid book. Um, so we early on had Jessica breezing in uh, after cheerleading practice, wearing lycra shorts and an oversized T-shirt, which was oh, just yeah. so wonderfully 90s. I simply had to note it. It is. Uh, like, honestly, that's how everybody was dressed in the 90s. Um, when the twins are going out on their respective dates, uh, when Stephen was trying to desperately get them to go on double dates with him and Cheryl. Uh, Liz wears a short turquoise blue dress with a gently scooped neckline. The gold lavalier she always wore sparkled against her bare throat. And this is where she gets all giddy thinking about Todd giving her a kiss. (laughs) Um, So at the same time as this, uh, Jessica is tearing her room apart, kicking piles of clothes around the place, looking for something to wear. (laughs) So at one point she pulls out a red knit mini dress, uh, which... There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Liz suggests a white twill miniskirt, but Ooh, right. Jessica says she wore that last weekend, but then figures if she borrows one of Liz's tops, 
maybe that could work as an outfit. So she tries out this white twill mini skirt uh, with a cropped orange t-shirt belonging to Liz, but obviously just kind of tosses that aside, uh, then goes for a sweater or oh, pink cotton sweater, Ooh. tries that out, still not happy and so ends up so many. She ends up going for a striped tank top with her oh. white mini skirt in the end. So that's what okay. she actually settles on. Uh, then what else did we have? Oh yeah, so Cheryl and Annie's bridesmaid dresses were T-length dresses with cap sleeves uh, and a sweetheart neckline, all in a soft floral print of dusty blues, pinks and greens. Oh, very nice. Isn't it? Um, what else did we have then? We were going to, yes, to fucking <laughs> Jessica's mad dreamland. Oh, uh, yes. Where she was planning her wedding and reckons that she couldn't see herself in an enormous princess type wedding dress with tons of satin and lace. Oh, she no. said at last, how about a white leather mini? <laughs> Liz rolls her eyes and says, but with a floor length veil, right? Jessica's like, what a fashion statement. <laughs> so all I can picture is like Kourtney Kardashian's <laughs> wedding dress from when she got married there recently. That was not one of my favorites, I must say. <laughs> oh. But uh, that sounds like it's the type of thing that Jessica would go for. <laughs> so just picture like a, a 1993 version of that outfit. Ooh, it's, it's the, I think it sounds quite like somebody in a white snake video. Oh my God, yes. And you know she'd just be delighted to be riding around on the bonnet of a car. <laughs> <laughs> <In> their dreams. <laughs> Uh, Mona's wedding dress uh, also tea length and ivory silk because what Mm -hmm. else Um, and then the twins their dresses for the wedding so Liz actually borrows an outfit from Enid uh, and it's a pale yellow silk dress Yes. And she's wearing a lace bow in her hair. So she sounds a bit like a doll, but you know. Yeah, okay. she does this. Uh, whereas Jessica has apparently oh, splurged yes. on a peacock blue mini dress with big black buttons all down the front. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was the outfits. And there was quite a few in fairness. Like we didn't even end up counting uh, the, the cool cotton baggy pants that uh, Martin wore to the beach disco. Oh, but, yes. Like, yeah, it was... It was it, it was, was elegant plentiful. and stylish. We were told. Oh yeah, good old Martin. He sounds great. So was that it for the outfits? Mm. That was a wild ride. It I'm was just... quite a lot, wasn't it? It really was. <laughs> I mean, we have had books recently. There was literally nothing. Not a so. one. Not even a scarf. Like just they gave us absolutely nothing. But uh, they, you know, to be, to be fair, dud and all as that book was, it did deliver on the outfits. It so did. I mean, I do like something. That peacock, Jessica's number mm. towards the end. That does uh, that and the wedding dress were yes. spectacular. <laughs> They'd have been highlights of of any episode. Absolutely, yes. Well, listeners, do let us know what you thought. Um, you know where to find us. We are on Twitter at SVH Podcast. Yes, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at SVH Podcast, where you really have to see the amazing graphic Karen did to celebrate our fifth <laughs> birthday. It is incredible. It's got an OTG on it. It's, it's got <laughs> twins. It's, it's magnificent. And thank you so much for all your uh, birthday greetings. It was genuinely very, very touching to read all your kind mm, words. It's so nice. Um, but uh, you also had plenty of thoughts uh, about last week's episode. Um, I, I actually, Aisha, friend of the show, uh, on Twitter said, "I just yelled at Andy, at Liz's Andy Jenkins had that bit of trouble, but hey, think I'm now rooting for Margot." That's it. She could take out the whole of PBA, and I'd give her an alibi. <laughs> just 
I would rage so much. Honestly, we're right there with you, Aisha. Like, let's get Margot free and clear because holy shit, she is doing a favor to everybody here. Oh, someday Rain's gonna come and wipe the skull off the streets. <laughs> it's gonna be Margot with the power hose and a big knife, probably. Oh yeah, there is a big knife. <laughs> a lot of you agreed that Annie. Many of you said that Annie basically had your mother's hair on the cover from the early nineties. <laughs> Uh, outlaw Josie J said cover inspiration two middle-aged moms at the seventh grade orchestra concert <laughs> Maria Teresa Bibliotheca said Heather has two mommies the sequel yeah <laughs> do you know they did look more like yeah a, a, a couple a, a, a lovely lesbian couple like with yes. much more the vibe than two 16 year olds oh my god there was uh, yes I, I loved this from uh, Photog Shan 20 he said I guess by this point Courtney Cox was out of their price range they found a few, few 40 year olds with the cover of this book the two of them looked like they were about to sell you some of their organically sourced alpaca <laughs> yarn and pot brownies <laughs> very much the vibe yes, yes. agreed <laughs> Uh, a lot of people did tell us that the whole driving thing is definitely real. Now, everybody wouldn't have been as shocked. This is the thing. Mm. Sweet Valians are yeah. very easily shocked, which is why so I'm curious about the responses to this episode, because obviously it was a much more serious mm. issue. Yeah. But yeah, they apparently it would be unusual, but not like a what? Yeah, yeah, not cause for like jaws dropping and people being absolutely speechless at the fact. But it does turn out that, yeah, American towns are very poorly planned for people who live there. So yes. unfortunately, that's the reality of it. Um, Holly Elaine made a very good point. She said something that has occurred to me. The adults are teenagers in these books. The parents are so in love and horny that they get married in months <laughs> and can't be bothered to talk to their kids. True. So true. <laughs> The way Holly Elaine also said, also, this book was exhausting. So much white fragility and centering. As a black woman, mm. I felt Cheryl so deeply. You have our sympathies going through this book, um, that book, uh, Holly Elaine. Uh, so and, and all other readers who who saw themselves in mm. Cheryl's uh, experiences of of isolation because, uh, yeah, it was there was a lot mm, in that was. in that last book. Um uh, by the way, Maria Theresa Biblioteca on a lighter note said that freeways in LA are bonkers, six lanes wide in every direction. Hmm. That is pretty, pretty. That is much. kind of frightening sounding. Uh, Don't think any of ours are more than four. No, that's true. That's probably our biggest road. But uh, there was there was a follow up comment that uh, Maria Theresa tried to make, but got some weird thing from Instagram saying that it wasn't allowed. Uh, and this kind of seems to happen every so often where Instagram <gasps> is hiding comments on us. So just so people know, we're not doing that. Like we would never hide your comments. Yeah. So if something like that happens, that is Instagram being weird about something. <laughs> and we do try and unhide stuff whenever we notice that. But it was pretty funny that uh, the, the comment that Maria was trying to make was uh, could someone please define they are in their holes <laughs> I'm getting the gist from the context but I'm not sure so I then had to try and explain the expression <laughs> via DM uh, which I tried to do I'm not sure if I did it justice because it turns out it's quite a hard expression to explain it basically means they won't yeah. but it's just a typically ridiculous Irish way of saying something but it did remind me of um, oh god a good few years ago uh, there was this American guy I knew and I had he I don't know he had said something and it was like he was said, said that I was good at something and that typical Irish thing of like no I'm not like not being able to take a compliment yeah. 
my reaction was, I am in my hole. And he just looked at me like half puzzled, half disgusted. And was like, <laughs> you do in your hole. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's so awful when you say it. No. I was like, I mean, I am in my arse. You are in your ass. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm just trying to disagree. <laughs> hole is your arsehole. Just so people know. That's the hole. That's very They're, inter- they're interchangeable here. Yes. But like, yeah, it turns out it's kind of a tricky one to explain or make any sense of because it just sounds really gross if you think about it too much. So I did my best. But basically, oh. when I was saying they are in your holes, I meant they're not. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think I just forget every so often that we have quite a large American listenership who might not have a fucking clue what I'm on about. It is <laughs> an inherently funny phrase. I remember my, my sister. <laughs> my sister who lives in London. Went to see that not particularly good film, The Guard. You know the one oh, with yeah. the, um, Brendan Gleeson. Yes. Um, and there's a bit in it, where, and Don Cheadle. Um, yeah. But there's a bit in it where somebody, you know. Zas like, will you surrender or something like that? And says, I will. It be whole. And my sister and <laughs> her friend, who's also Irish, were like cracked up and almost hysterical. <laughs> and nobody else in the cinema was as amused. Possibly not amused at all. I remember. <laughs> but it is just such a stupid, funny way of saying no, basically. Yeah. You would say, I am in my arse as well. True, like, yeah, I was just, I was just being extra But extra hold is funnier somehow. Hold is funnier. <laughs> it, is. it is funnier. But yeah, kind of a tricky one to explain, especially mm-hmm. when it's repeated back to you in American accent and you realise how disgusting it sounds <laughs> without any kind of context. It's like, you are in your ass? Like, no, stop it. <laughs> sounds well, weird. Well, listeners, I hope that's been explained to you. Now, we do do our best for transatlantic relations. We so do. And we just yeah. like knowing, you know, sometimes there's things like the driving stuff there's so many things both serious and non-serious that we genuinely don't know is this meant to reflect reality (laughs) but it seems very unlikely um though it has to be said one thing that doesn't necessarily reflect reality is the sports thing so some people thought that it was not people wouldn't be that shocked Mm. uh audio drama pixie said um that I didn't play sports, my friends didn't play sports, lots of people didn't play sports. Calm down, SVH kids. <laughs> Though uh the Tamari said, gotta say all the way the way all the Sweet Valley folk are banging on about Cheryl not playing a sport. It's, it's, it's exactly what it's like to grow up unsporty in New Zealand. Oh. The levels of elatability. No. Huh. Hmm. I always thought I don't know why I thought New Zealand would have a similar vibe to here. Well, I mean, they are very into their rugby in New Zealand. Oh, that's true. Um, so, uh, yeah, our sympathies, the Tamari. So, um, <laughs> really, we just... And that's another baffling thing about Sweet Valley. Uh, Cresta Burton Books uh, had another point that about relationships. She said, why, for the love of Mike, was everybody obsessing about Annie getting back together with Tony? Only in Sweet Valley is having a proven, a proven lion cheating at sports and on his girlfriend and therefore completely untrustworthy, <laughs> void monster from a boyfriend, for a boyfriend, more acceptable option than being single and happy. And Sam... TikTok. Oh. Hashtag Marco is coming. Hashtag only in sweet body. <laughs> it's too real. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. Oh, we also got um a great email from Katie Olson. So thank you for that, oh, Katie. Yes. Uh, basically detailing <laughs> the subject title was Bad Drivers of Sweet Valley. And 
that was exactly the vibe. Uh, yeah, so she just wanted to to do a little recap of all the terrible driving uh, that we've seen so far. Oh. It was like we had that crazy side piece boyfriend almost kill Jessica in a car oh. two boy weekend. The twins constantly letting their friends sit on their laps in the Fiat Spider. Teens constantly careening through town on their way to hostage situations <laughs> and cult lairs because only they can save the day. No grown ups allowed. <laughs> driving as if they're in a police chase in their civilian cars. And most recently in our timeline of the podcast, we have Stephen Wakefield, creepy oh. college student who hunts for girlfriends among his sister's high school friends. Um, so she did <gasps> make the point. Very Ted Bundy. Uh, oh, oh my Volkswagen God. Oh, Jesus. The California oh no. <laughs> but uh, she did make the point that uh, when Stephen's bringing Cheryl around in the, the car park, getting mm-hmm. her to drive, like it is fully illegal for her to do that without her permit. Because you can obviously have a learner's permit while you're waiting for your test. But like, it's illegal for teenagers to drive without a licensed adult in the passenger seat at that point. So she made the very good point that Stephen, being a college kid, he's too old to be dating the twins' friends and yet not old enough to be teaching her how to drive. Yes! <laughs> Such a good point! <laughs> Which was great. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. Um, so actually, speaking of driving, photo, um. Photog Shad said, also, when did Annie join PBA? When indeed. And where mm. was Jessica? Uh, did uh, this, when she did, did someone trick her into driving up the coast where she saw the murder in paradise? Did Annie and Robin <laughs> drug her and lock her in a truck somewhere? We wish. <laughs> oh my God, if only. <laughs> there was also a blast from the past, going back to the, the previous ep- main feed episode, where Linky Lou said uh, to Hello Ali, I was thinking of our two-week turnaround conversation about how quickly they put on the production of Macbeth. When oh, Annie yeah. <laughs> told Cheryl all about Jessica's triumphant Lady Macbeth, wasn't Bill the real star? Do we not talk about Bill? Oh, 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 oh. She put the oh, oh, oh in. Because he's tragically rocking in a corner somewhere after learning thousands of lines of complex Shakespearean dialogue in a fortnight. Hashtag tights out for Bill. <laughs> Poor Bill. He got no glory at all for his turn uh, in that play at all. It was terrible. Yeah. And while he said, I flipping love that the Macbeth drama continues. I agree. I feel Bill should have gotten way more shine for his role. Especially I remember that he's a chill surf guy. Maybe he's Bill from Bill and Ted. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, dude. <laughs> love that. Uh, so thank you, uh... Thank you, everybody. Oh, Trigtastic, sorry, also said, it's when she pulled out a book at a sports event that I knew she would forever have my heart. Cheryl deserves so much more than Sweet Valley. Hopefully she's out of the way before the insanity of the next few books. Oh, God, poor Cheryl. Um, Susie uh, uh, Y. Avet said, Cheryl is genuinely the only person in that damn town I'd want to be friends with. Maybe also (laughs) the proprietors of Kelly's, but that's literally it. (laughs) Fair. Well, and on that note, it is time, like Todd going to Vermont, to say goodbye to the regular the regular series of Sweet Valley High. Mm. It's been a Imagine. blast. Oh my God, we've made it this far. This is my amazing. And it's so weird that it does feel like the end of an era, but like obviously the podcast isn't ending. We're still, we've still got a lot to cover. Oh, there's but like it is just kind of, oh yeah, but it is just a weird like kind of landmark to get yeah. to. And especially as there there is a different vibe in the in the later yeah. books. Like they're mm. more dramatic. Um they you know, and again, as we keep saying, they're they're all in that mini series format with the odd mm. sort of super edition. So um yeah, it's the the old one plot at a time with a little B plot is is over. 
Wouldn't um, flash one. No more. <laughs> um, so we will have a bit of a surprise for you in the main feed, but in the mean in two weeks. But in the meantime, we will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters who we adore in our clubhouse. Because of course, if you want Sweet Valley every single week in your ears, and we have heard from some people who started listening more recently and have been catching, you know, going through the backlog mm. and have finally caught up. Well, if you want more. You could join our sorority by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, if you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show and all this absolute fucking lunacy. Um, <laughs> you can sign up for as little as five euro a month. Uh, and when you do that, it gets you access to all of our bonus episodes, which is, of course, our ridiculous Pi Beta Alpha series where we're recapping the gloriously demented Sweet Valley High TV show, which continues to fucking deliver on like the oh lulls and the ridiculousness. We're actually having such a good time over there, honestly. Oh. Do join us in the clubhouse because it is a blast. Actual shrieking at last week's episode. <laughs> um, Karen posted my favourite scene on our Instagram reels um, last week. So uh, you can check that out. And if that looks entertaining to you, and why wouldn't it? <laughs> you can listen to our thoughts about every single episode of... Uh, we're nearly pushing towards the end of the second season now. I think we're, we're well over yeah, we're halfway definitely through. Over the halfway mark for sure, yeah. Um, and enjoying every minute of it uh, over on Headstuff Plus, where you can choose whether you you know support just us or spread your, um, your five quid a month out over more podcasts. But whatever you do, you will have access to this top secret feed, which will <laughs> give you Pi Beta Alpha in your uh, in your in your ear holes every week. And <laughs> when I say that next week's episode is going to be a It's a Wonderful Life homage about what would happen if the twins had never been born in Sweet Valley, like, surely you want to see that. Or at I least listen to us describe it. Surely. Oh my God. I mean, Jesus. So we will see <laughs> our Pi Beta Alpha sisters uh, in the clubhouse for an unseasonably festive episode <laughs> next week. But we will see you all in the main feed in two weeks. Not for the prom thriller. Yeah, look, don't be mad at us, okay? We have a plan. There's a method to the madness. So we just needed something to to get us to a certain point. Yeah. We just so we've it, got a Christmas treat lined up for you. Let's put it that way. This Christmas episode is gonna be uh quite a showstopper. It's gonna be a fucking belter. Uh yeah. So so we just needed to to get things aligned a certain way. So yeah, there'll be a, an episode other than a night to remember in two weeks time, but you'll still enjoy it. Yes, because in in two weeks, we will be learning about Elizabeth's <laughs> steamy affair, I quote the blurb, with Ken Matthews. I'm going to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> She's a dead woman. <laughs> yes, we are diving in to Elizabeth's secret diary oh my god it kind of works because i think it'll be september at that stage so it'll be like mm -hmm. a back to school vibes you know Ooh, so getting yeah. to the secret diary the high school tumult of it all yes. <laughs> the nonsense the madness the behind the scenes first person <gasps> elizabeth pov oh. let's fucking do this thing there's a lot of angst <laughs> i've been looking through it there's sort of recaps of the last books but then there's a lot of elizabeth being very angsty about todd being open for a month for for <laughs> we are going back to the hashtag poor Jeffrey years, though apparently it's also hashtag poor Ken. 
It sounds like it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, I must say. I can't wait to see what the hell has been going on in secret in this town. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, so we don't want to know. But in this case, we do. Yeah. So, Pie Beta Alpha Sisters, we'll see you in the in the clubhouse for a merry little Christmas next week. And everybody else, we will see you in the main feed in two weeks when we find out what happens when we unlock <laughs> Elizabeth's secret diary. Oh my God. See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.